Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 340. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, Wing Doodle. Uh, uh, fair enough. We've we got comics about volcanoes this week. Connor's just returned from a volcano. He's also back uh-huh. on the show for the first time in like a month and a half or whatever long it's um, been. About a month actually. Oh, it's about a month, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, d- I did one about a month ago. Oh well. You've returned. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you have any grand statements to make? Work's still shit. The, 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 yeah. Life life lessons that one has learned along the way. Uh, the... So so Look how less. are the hot dogs? How are the hot dogs in Iceland? It's really good. Yeah. So Wait, they're like everywhere. No, they have they have a they have a thing <laughs> for hot dogs, but they're like yeah. they're made out of lamb instead of pork. Yeah, I, I I just I've never heard and that Iceland like, was known yeah. for hot dogs. No, it's no, surprising to reason, me. everywhere. Yeah, the only reason I know this is one of the shows I listened to. One of the hosts just got back from like two weeks in Iceland, and I've been waiting for Connor to be on to ask him it's, about it's like how you, good uh, the hot dogs are. You get out of the airport, you, you're still in the airport. You know, you collect your luggage, you go through, and even before you've left, it's like there's a hot dog stand. Interesting. Question, and this is my ignorance of Iceland showing here, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I'm imagining you getting out of the airport and you're just getting like a small village because Iceland doesn't have cities. <laughs> Is that accurate? I mean, Reykjavik's a, a city, right? Reykjavik's a city, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's the only proper city. Big city. city. Yeah. Because the population uh, is very low in Iceland. Yeah. It is, yes. Um, it, I, I would say yeah, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere with the airport, but in my experience, that's most airports. Yeah. Most major airports outside of... Well, outside the UK, all the ones I've been to. Uh, I, I can't speak for the US, but, you know, outside yeah. the UK, uh, all most, the major most ones of ours I've been to are... Oh, no, I, in the middle of nowhere. LAX is yeah. in the middle of just everything. Right. That's why I mean, like, the US <laughs> right. and the UK are kind of the outliers in this. All the ones I've been to in Europe and, like, yeah. uh, all of Europe, Turkey, oh, that's, that's uh, they you know, got Iceland s- now, like, they're all just in the middle of nowhere. They've got space, though. <laughs> you <laughs> tend to have well, to, the- like, yeah, you tend to have to drive, like, a good... 40 minutes to an hour till you're in like a city from any other major airport I've been to at, you know, in Europe. Mm, interesting. So, so the thing with LAX and like the one here in Vegas is they originally were on like, they were far out. And then as the city got bigger, now they're kind of, uh, yeah. they're yeah. kind of wedged in amongst everything. So, but when you look at LAX, that's why there's a bunch of satellite airports, you know, around that area that you could also fly into if you don't want to deal with it. Uh, you know, I don't know about international, but you know, domestic, you can. So, um, that helps a lot with that. Yeah, those two uh, main international terminals at LAX. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was in Dublin Airport briefly, but I never went outside, so I don't know what was around yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, so I had, I had asked Connor about the hot dogs and I said, see if they really are, because they're everywhere and yeah. they're pretty good. Like, as standard, they come like with uh, onions and then you know, raw and fried. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. Ketchup, mustard, and mayo. As just oh. obviously, you can ask for without oh. things, but it, it's but it's yeah. a different it's a different mayo to what you're thinking of. It's mm-hmm. not. It's like yellow. I, I don't, don't care. Know I don't care. Like all all mayo is disgusting. Yeah. I, I, I don't care. Um, it's all awful. It's more like a, it's like a Dijon mayo. From the, what I've heard. The question I have is how many vowels were in their word for hot dog? Yeah. Uh, too many. <laughs> yeah. Too. Yeah, I thought yeah. I was expecting. I was expecting yeah. not enough. I was yeah. expecting lots of consonants. No, they have lots of vowels in there as well. Like, uh, yeah. That, that, it's a strange language. Well, it is. Yes. Well, it is, but also there's good chunks of it that are reasonably recognizable. Yeah. Because they had such, you know, between them and like, you know, obviously their their language is basically 
you know, so obviously the Danish, right? Yeah, and then and then the Danish brought a lot of that over to England, right? Especially the north of England. So there's like a lot of cross pollination that it, there's there's just enough that you can recognise certain things. Okay, okay. Well, this is DC Comics Podcast. We get yeah. together, we talk about DC Comics every week. We have a huge list of books to talk about this week and solicits for, well, I think it's April. I never actually checked, but I'm sure it's April. Uh, so coming up on today's show, we have Nightwing issue 100, Batman One Bad Day Bane, Flash 791, Lazarus Planet Assault on Krypton issue 1, Batman Superman World's Finest issue 11, The New Champion of Shazam issue 4, Stargirl The Lost Children issue 3, Matt read Monkey Prince issue 10. Mm -hmm. I, and I assume Connor read GCPD The Blue Wall issue 4. I did. And then Connor's got two Patreon books because he's not been here, so he's he's he's, <laughs> he's got something to do. So he's got two. Yeah. yeah. So that is the uh, the plan for today's uh, festivities. Um, but not to worry, even though the list is huge, there's always time for a Comixology Top 10. Is there though? There is. If I, I tried to pretend that there wasn't a couple of weeks ago, and Matt just uh, no. A couple me. weeks. It was last week. Was it last week? I don't know. Time's a yeah. flat circle, Matt. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Matt. But he he wouldn't accept it. He just said, "Let's get it over with." Don't pretend we're not doing <laughs> I learned, it. I learned unless Connor's here to help me derail me doing it by myself, just makes things go longer. So, <laughs> um, that's true. Yeah. Even if you're both here. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's more fun. You know. <laughs> Because you have two people that are upsetting you instead of just one. So, um, Twice the misery. Your misery fuels, fuels me, so I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what, you're, what you're getting at. So, yes, uh, as per usual, we have the book separated by Tuesday releases and Wednesday releases. So we'll look at Tuesday first since that's the DCD. The, these are the rankings on Comixology uh, as per uh, how many have sold up until now, which is Saturday at the time of recording. So... Um, Matt, Connor, what do you think number one is from DC this week? Uh, since Connor hasn't been here, I will give uh, him the... Too generous. Give him the honors. Yes. <laughs> Did his when, mic die? He's went mute. That's happened last time. <laughs> All right. I'll say Nightwing 100. Nightwing 100 is the correct answer. I bet Connor got it wrong. And even if he says he didn't, I'll, I won't believe him. Uh, I, I heard no evidence to the contrary. <laughs> oh, there's a complete, like, range of expressions happening on his face as he's trying yeah, to figure it. Oh, there you go. There, there you are. It switched my mic automatically for some reason, Skype to mid, the one on my headset. Mid, what, mid-call? <laughs> yep. It just decided to switch to the one on the headset because Skype... Uh, which the one on the headset is muted because I always leave that muted. Of course, so that's yeah. why nothing happened. I, I I guess Nightwing. God damn it! <laughs> There's no evidence of that. So uh, I thought you were just sitting there in silence as a bit, and then I saw your mouth moving, but nothing was coming out. So, someone do some lip reading and and see the video evidence. I said Nightwing 100. I said I said uh, well, there's no Batman this week, so I guess Nightwing. Uh, hmm. Sounds this is a bit fabricated to me. Uh, number two is Lazarus Planet, Assault on Arkham. All right, uh, so yeah. Assault on Arkham, Assault on Krypton. Assault on Krypton. Sorry, it's because Assault on Arkham's a <laughs> yeah. movie. That was a thing. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a Suicide movie. Squad. Basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I remember it being a thing. So it's, it's in there. Um, then number three is World's Finest. So um, that's still doing well. Number four is Batman One Bad Day, which you know for an eight dollar wow. book. Yeah, not too shabby. Number five is Star Girl and the Lost Children. 
So uh, also doing well. I guess John still has mm-hmm. some some name value with the the yeah. DC fans. Uh, number six is the Flash issue seven nine one. So not bad. Uh, then we have Batman Fortress issue eight at number seven, which you know I, I forget this is still going. I guess this is a twelve issue thing. Uh, yes, I thought it was eight, but. Maybe it is it. I don't know. So it's... Oh, look. Oh, no, is it? It says shocking conclusion on the cover. There we go. There you go. It's done. Uh, uh, I have no ill will towards Gary, but his comic book is trash. <laughs> so... Can confirm. <laughs> uh, number eight is uh, the new champion of Shazam issue four. Uh, number nine is Black Adam issue seven. And number 10 is Batgirls 14. Uh, with Monkey Prince just missing the top 10, as well as Fables 157, which was out this week. Uh, cool. Um, and nothing too eventful. Nightwing's the expected number one. I'd say Lazarus Planet's doing a little bit better than I thought, just because it feels like a sort of throwaway event as opposed to an actual big event. But also, like, I felt like I missed something with that first issue last week, right? Did you, did read, you read Batman ba- versus Robin? I did. I, uh, I read the four issues and then I read that, and I still felt like I felt <laughs> like I was missing something in between. Uh oh. If you'd asked me this last week, I might have put it, but I, you know, I've forgotten it now until I read the, yeah, the Omega that, issue. That, that is fair. <laughs> but I was just like, huh, is that it? Like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, that's the DC books. And then Wednesday's books, anyone care to uh, guess what number one from Wednesday is? Um, I'm, I'm looking. Oh, let me see what was out. Uh, I'm going to guess Immortal X-Men 10. It is, but um, I, I thought you know, maybe you'll fall for the trap because it's not the only X book. Because number two is Dark Web X Men issue three. Yep. Uh, um, to be honest, I just thought it was Dark Web and I didn't see it was an X book until you had said that. So, ah, uh, I see, I see. Yeah. Uh, number three is Avengers Forever issue 13, uh, which is by Jason Aaron and Aaron Kudder, the Aarons, if you will. Um, which they just announced a new Avengers team, right? That's coming up in a few yeah. months. That's on they Twitter. did, yes. Uh, Mackay, something Mackay. Oh, let's see. Jed. Yep. There you go. That's the one. Uh, so, so Aaron's finally fi- finishing up. It seems yep. like so. Uh, but he's been on a while. He's been on that since what? Uh, it was, Years. It was close to the start of rebirth sort of time period, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something in that range. Uh, Invincible Iron Man issue two is number four. Number five is Punisher issue nine of twelve. Also Jason Aaron that one. Uh, oh. Uh, number six is Strange issue ten by the aforementioned Jed Mackay. Uh, number seven is Wasp issue one of four by Al Ewing, which means it's probably worth reading. He just did an Ant Man mini as well, so yep. it probably follows on from that, maybe. Ah, yeah, yeah, that makes I sense. love those covers, though. Those pop art. The, the really bold colors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um. Yeah, it's just kind of, it's just kind of a. It, I feel like this is what they do when they want to evoke Silver Age, even though it doesn't actually yeah. look actual Silver Age, but it evokes no. Silver Age in a yeah, modern style. Mid century pop art, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Hulk 11 at number 8. And then number 9 is Venom issue 15, which is by Ram V. Uh, and then number 10, our only non-Marvel book in the top 10 from Wednesday. Would anyone care to guess? Future? It's not. Damn it. It's fine. Any, any other guesses to what the only non-Marvel book is in the top 10? I'm, I'm looking for anything that's notable. <laughs> um, that would... Like a House of Slaughter. Nope. No, okay. I mean, he sells books, so it wasn't. Oh, let's go. Let's go. One thirty-six. Sorry, you cut out a little bit. There was the title of that. 
Ninja Turtles, 136. No, no, it's just relatively high, as is the Power Rangers book. No, uh, the actual number 10 is Sonic the Hedgehog, Scrapnik Island, what? issue 4. <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm going to do what I did last week and count how long on, com- on uh, League of Comic Geeks before I finally see that. Oh, it's it's low. I'm oh, far down, I, I expect, yes. Thing, things above it include Maniac of New York, don't call it a comeback, issue one. <laughs> I sus- uh, yeah. Ten rows. Here's my ten, theory. Ten rows. Here's my theory on this. There is a dedicated select com- of Sonic the Hedgehog fans who only buy Sonic the Hedgehog comics who will never go to League of Comic Geeks. <laughs> and that's why True. there's a discrepancy here between Comixology sales and yeah, I, that I website. Because like even I don't use it as a uh, for a pull feature. Like, I just look at yeah. it. Yeah, you know, and we're in the you know the the more dedicated end of the spectrum, you know, when it comes to this sort of stuff. So I imagine there's tons of people who buy yeah. all sorts that would never log on League of Comic Geeks. Yeah, so so it's right in between. There's something wrong with Patrick Todd and Shirtless Bear Fighter Two Number Six, which <laughs> your favorite um, new book. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I already read the the first. I had the first one in singles. I was waiting for this to be released in trades. So. Um, Mm. But yeah, that's how far down. I feel like Matt's getting a lot of bear media. He's got this comic book, Cocaine Bears, coming out soon. There's a lot of bear mm-hmm. multimedia for just for Matt in the, in the yeah. works here, I'm noticing. Man, I hope Cocaine Bear is good. That's all. I mean, I'm not I'm not expecting great things from it necessarily. No, I, as long as it's fun, you know? Like, yes, that's yes. all. I, I just need to be dumb and fun. So... Of course, of course. I hope I hope it's entertaining. But, yes. So uh, that's what I mean by good. You know, I don't think it's going to be nominated for a lot of things, except like the know. most awesome movie of the year. But... God, you sound like someone who like like the MTV Movie Awards, most awesome movie of the year, best kiss. There's no best director award. That's a silly idea. But best yeah. kiss. Um... Let me just say, when I was younger, the MTV Movie Awards had more cachet with me than the Academy Awards. <laughs> and by younger, I mean in my 20s. Because you were an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, th- I thought you were going to say, like, early teens at most. <laughs> <laughs> no, once Twilight started getting nominated for stuff, I was out. Yeah. I think so. this is why the drinking age is 21 in America, yeah. Connor. Yeah, they True. can't be trusted. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, dear. Uh, so, no, they're my guns at 18, so don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. Man. Again, can, can't be trusted to buy alcohol, but a firearm, you got it. Uh, I mean, I suppose you shouldn't mix the two. I would argue they should be swapped around, but, you know, whatever. You guys realize that we had such a problem that there's a federal bureau <laughs> that regulates it, right? The, the ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. I'm familiar. I've, I've seen Thank You for Smoking. I recall yeah. Uh, yeah. So that entity. I actually don't know what they do, and I'm pretty, you know, pretty in because I don't know if they're like the the military wing of the F, uh, FDA. I'm not even sure what the ATF actually does, but I just know they exist, and it cracks me up. Mm. So I don't think any other country has a federal bureau for for that stuff. Yeah, you have a national uh, a national health institute, but we we got a bureau of firearms, tobacco, and alcohol. So do they regulate them, or do they just that they like it. Do they when just say, enjoy them? Yeah, when I say regulate, uh, I mean like the ATF gets involved in like when there's there's like large weapon caches. So like during Waco, ATF was involved. Mm. 
don't know how much about it. I know they made a miniseries about it. I'm not sure how much you guys know about that, but there was a, a cult that was hoarding weapons. Well, and they were deemed a threat. Uh, so. As someone who does the TV news every week, I remember mm-hmm. talking about it existing. I never watched the show. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so like the ATF was involved in there and like Ruby Ridge. And anytime there's like a, any kind of standoff with people with a lot of weapons, they show up. So I don't know how much they do with, with alcohol. I'm, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm willing to bet they came about during Prohibition. And that's why, mm. you know, they were the ones that were out there busting up barrels. And, it's a cool yeah. acronym. Just keep it. Yes, exactly. So now that, I, now that I think about it, but yes. Um, but Cocaine Bear seems like the ATF's arch nemesis, right? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I never really thought about it, but was Prohibition just an American thing? I think so. Was there anywhere else that took part of it? I don't know. I think various countries have had their own. Yeah. Uh, well, prohibition. when I watched the, uh, that's a few weeks ago, but when I watched Banshees of Inisherin, like I had mm-hmm. this reaction as the movie was going on, I'm like, oh, there was a Irish Civil War in the the 1920s mm-hmm. okay <laughs> that's just to be mm-hmm. good to know uh, yeah yeah only the 1920s yeah <laughs> went on yeah. quite a while right De- <laughs> like, definitely didn't end in the 90s no no uh there, there's a whole uh era called the troubles yeah right? yeah that, that definitely isn't the famous you know good friday agreement in the mid 90s yeah. that, that actually ended it never heard of it or, but what i do yeah, know yeah neither boris johnson <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm not Prime Minister, yeah. so I don't need to know it. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully, neither is he anymore. Well, that's a good fight, yes. We've went, we've went, he's not even the last Prime Minister, we've went through a whole other one. <laughs> oh, shit, we did, I forgot that trip. <laughs> she lasted a whole three weeks, I forgot. Yeah, there was that whole cabbage thing, what will last longer, her reign It was is, like, uh... right as the Queen died, she had that three weeks there, and that was it. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, what was it? What are we uh... talking about now? Oh, yeah. Uh, Banshee's of Insurance is a gritty new remake of Father Ted, is how I like to look at it. But, uh, yeah. what? It's an I island off the coast of Ireland? Yeah. 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 Every time it went to an aerial shot of the island, all I could hear in my head was down, 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 down. Matt's not like, getting these jokes, but it's okay, Matt. Did it was that, sorry? Did it not ruin the movie a bit for you? No, no, because it was very funny anyway. Like, it's darkly quite funny. Right. But still, like that, that that's not intentionally this funny. This is just you projecting. <laughs> true, true. Look, I'm not, it's not my fault that there was such a good Irish TV show in the 90s that all I could, when every time Ireland comes up, the first thing that comes out of my head is kicking Bishop Benner up there, running up the arse, right? That's not my fault, okay? Matt is so alienated right now. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm used to this type of stuff. That's fine. You, you should watch Father Ted, Matt. You should watch Father Ted. I, you've told me about Father Ted. That's why I'm not, again, I'm not. When you said alienated, there's no ill will. You, y'all talk about your Irish show, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yes, okay. So, uh... I was, I was going to tell you guys, I think I'm starting a letterbox, because I'm, oh. uh, I'm oh, having just... a hard time remembering things that I've seen. Um, and I'm just, I think I'm going to give in... in Next time I have to work overtime, I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> just sit and do the just sit there and do the thermos. So, yeah, there, there was this thing going around, like, uh, you know, four movies of the last 10 years that that you think are masterpieces, right? And yes, I've seen I a lot saw of movies. some questionable choices on some people's of those. Yeah. Right. Are you insinuating like, mine, Connor? I didn't see yours. Okay, that's fair enough. enough. Are you insinuating mine? No. Okay. It might have been whoever's you retweeted though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, you might have had one questionable one. What? You, you, it, correct me if I'm wrong. You had Civil War on it. 
No, I had a uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, Winter Soldier. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that's yeah, not no, questionable. No. But, I mean, yes, masterpiece level. Come on, like, uh, questionable. I, I like all movies in the last decade. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful that Kong Skull Island wasn't in the four because it really uh, it could have been knowing that. It almost was, and then I was like, no, I can't be a self parody that much. <laughs> also, it's not a masterpiece per se. Um, but oh, but Winter uh, Soldier is. I think so. I think it is my favorite of the Marvel movies. Therefore, in my eyes, it's a masterpiece. Uh, I mean, Matt, um, what, what you do is, because you can just sort of rate things to say you've seen them, so it counts as... Yeah. So that means when you look at a list of any kind, it'll grey out yeah. the ones that you've already seen, which is really handy. Uh, but yeah. you can just do diary entries, as in you put in the date you watch something for just new things you watch. And Right, so, so like, I was just there. having a, a problem remembering what movies I saw in what year, you know? So, like, trying to come up with stuff oh, sure, on yeah. command, it was... I was like, if only I had a list... But able to uh, filter please. and just sort of like yeah. go to like say catalog, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like sometimes when I watch a movie, I'll just go to Letterbox, I'll pick a decade, I'll pick a genre, and it'll sort yeah. them by most popular. So it's like, okay, so what's the most popular action movie that I've not seen from the seventies? And it'll be yeah. like, oh, here's it, it just yeah. tells me, you know. Yeah. So. Well, then it also had the issue where time is is not passing oh, properly, sure. and stuff like Inception felt like it came out ten years ago. Thirteen but, years old now. Yep, I know. Is or, it or yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, or or something like Whiplash that felt like it came out like a couple of years ago. That that man has made three movies since that movie came out. So I think his new uh, movie like panned. Yeah, I I do need to see it, but it did not get a I will say a favorable release. I went, it opened against Avatar. Yeah, I went to so. see um, Megan for Streams uh, mm-hmm. this past week. And they actively made me not like. I, mean, I didn't really want to see Babylon anyway, but yeah. Babylon has a sponsorship with like a couple of different companies that work yeah. with the cinemas for their advertising. So there was like two mini trailers for it, and then the full trailer played during the trailer section. So by the time I got to that third trailer, I'm like, you've made me never want to see this. Like, I'm I'm mad yeah. at you now. I'm mad at you, movie. Yeah. Beating you over the head with it's not much. Um, I've heard one of the film podcasts I listened to. Um, one of the hosts really really liked it, just because it's a you know. It's commenting on the movie industry while being a part of the movie industry in a very clever way. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to watch it once it comes out. Like, I'd love to see it in theaters, but it's not showing anywhere here. Like, it was here and gone. So, but I am seeing Megan later today after we uh, record. So, mm. um, I'm very excited. Why you see the Avatar, Matt? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh you need to see I would it. have seen it if I haven't had to work overtime. Yeah, you need to um, see it while, while it's still on the big IMAX screens and whatnot. Yep, yep, I know. Connor, have you seen Avatar? Of course he's not. I have no plans to ever watch Avatar. <laughs> By the way, um, did you see like the one of the two movie theaters in Iceland when no. you were there? Oh, dang. Because when, when this guy was there, uh, the only movie they were showing, and it was closed, but the only movie they were showing was The Northman. Um, which... <laughs> yeah, probably because right. it was shot down the street. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I didn't. I didn't even see where where, yeah. where the cinema was. No, it was uh, there was one in Reykjavik, right where this where they were staying, um, and because he wanted to go, like if he can go see a movie I in might, Iceland. I might have gone near. It's it's a yeah. smaller city than than mm-hmm. I'm used to. Yeah, but yeah. So I was just gonna ask if if uh, they were showing Avatar when you'd went because he was there in Novemberish. So Poss- possibly, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're crossing two billion uh, in the next yeah. day or two, so <laughs> I assume Iceland contributed to that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all 
300,000 of them in the country. Yes. I'm sure they all saw it, though. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> the Navi are huge in Iceland. Uh... I just wait, because the next one's going to have, like, volcano, like, part yeah. of the planet in it, so I'm sure it's going to be big in Iceland, the next one, because it'll be very... It'll be very close to their hearts. Uh, yes. All right. Well, uh, I suppose we'll get into the solicits then. Um, I, I love how we've done like 10 minutes of small talk, even though we know there's a lot of books and solicits because... Yeah, I, I'm just going to tip my hand a little bit. I don't have a lot to say about a lot of the books. Uh, every but time I have you a lot to say about a couple of them. Every time you say that, it always, you, it always ends up being just as normal, if not a longer episode. I'll tell you, I got some good takes about uh, about three books. What's well, well, so um, wild about this? It's not just that Matt's lying. That would be one thing, but he's lying to himself. That's the, that's the part that really... He believes it, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the part that really sticks out. So, looking through the solicits for... Oh, is it May solicits? No, it's April. No, it's April. So the one... oh, no, okay, sorry. Yeah. It's just because the first one is a May really spec because yeah. it's the free comic book day uh, thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Dawn yeah. of DC 2023 free comic book day special edition. Yep. Yeah uh so yeah they're just advanced soliciting this a little bit which is why i was questioning it but uh yeah as per usual i assume this will have multiple short stories teasing things that are coming up uh i mean across yeah, the board they, i don't yes, even know they what don't have this anybody. is this one doesn't seem to be like much in the story way it just has oh. all new original story plus sneak peeks at upcoming titles mm-hmm. so i'll have one short story i bet that short story though is relevant to like an event or something yeah. they're just not telling us about it yet <sighs> Maybe. They'll, they'll probably, it'll turn out to be like the lead into the big summer event when they're ready to reveal it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, on to the more juicy stuff. We got Green Arrow issue one. Joshua Elmson with art by Sean Isaacs, I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, close yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, that's a fun cover with the, the yeah. neg- blank white space. and That's, uh, that's a variant though. Yeah. Right? That's, that's a Frank Cho cover. Yeah, and the, the Green Arrow cover is good too, but it's just a nice design. Uh, but uh, I like the the group shot cover. Uh, Williamson tweeted that a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's real fun. Yeah. he's he's indicating this is the characters that he's going to be playing with. It's so to see. I mean, see I'm, them sure, all nice. I'm sure I said this before, but it is kind of a shame that like Green Arrow can't just get an ongoing. It has to be a six issue mini that may get extended. But yeah. you know, yeah. that's the world so, we're in but- now. This is a really rough period for me in terms of like the current new DC slate that's outside of the Superman line, which seems to be separate, but like Williamson seems to be kind of everywhere in terms of spearheading a lot of stuff. And I'm really not loving a lot of Williamson stuff lately. So it's kind of a bit unfortunate for me. Yeah. Well, he's not on that much. Like once we get to this time, we'll be on Superman and Green Arrow. Is he on anything else? Mm-hmm. No, I just mean in terms of like, obviously he's doing the, you know, uh, you know he's just done the event. He still feels mm-hmm. like he's like one of the creative sure. driving forces behind a lot of the stuff, even if he's not writing tons of books. Yeah. Um. Obviously, they did the Bane one shot this week, but he's he's basically not on any ongoings right now for a couple of months until mm-hmm. uh, his new stuff starts up. Superman's mm-hmm. next month, and then Green Arrow obviously is in April. Uh. There we got Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow issue one. This is written by Kenny Porter, art by Janoy Lindsay. Uh, this is the Connor Kent book that was uh, revealed previously. This yeah. is the round robin winner. Yeah. And yeah. looking at it, I, at the solicit, I should probably read a wiki recap of Dark Crisis and just see what I missed at the end, shouldn't I? Uh, that probably, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. it starts by saying after the events of Dark Crisis, yeah. Connor yeah, yeah. a place. And, and I'm but like, then hmm, again, yeah. 
he was out of place before Dark Crisis. So they don't really need to put that. Sure. You know? So... I mean, there's some truth to that, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, there you got Adventures of Superman, John Kent, issue two. Obviously, this is Tom Taylor doing his uh, six-issue mini that's kind of ending yep. his John Kent series. Uh, so... Yeah, not much to add, really. Uh, obviously, there was uh, a little He's bit of... back Balzard from his Earth 2 stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, which they revealed already, right? That was in the, the last issue. That yeah, was in the last solicit. Yeah. I thought I wasn't here for that. Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was cool. But, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Very exciting. Uh, so that's neat. We got Superman issue 3. Uh, of course, Williamson continue his run. Uh, yeah, we have Action Comics 1054. Obviously, all the super books here together. That's a very nice action cover, though, I've got to say. Uh, Superman's fist coming through some Metallo-esque this... uh, parts. It almost looks like an alternate cover for Terminator. Mm. You know, like this could mm. represent John Connor. It's got that. It's, I mean, it's Steve Beach that's done this cover, but it's, yeah. it's got that very. Uh, you know, like if you told me that was Alex Ross, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Like argued by you too much. I can I see that. Yeah. yeah. Especially like his. Uh, some of the more recent covers he's done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so very nice stuff. Um. Actually, the other cover's quite nice as well. It's not as good as the main yeah. one, but... Uh, no. It's just still really nice. It's, it's real nice. Uh, and then Harley Quinn issue 29 uh, coming out. Uh, Unstoppable oh, Doom no. Patrol issue 2. That's right, one of the new books coming out of this whole new initiative is a new Doom Patrol miniseries by Dennis Culver. Uh, kind of excited to check this out. I hope it's good. Yeah. I, would, I would like a good Doom Patrol book to read. Yeah. Uh, we got Batman issue 134. Uh, more a Chips run. So... Uh, very who is this guy i don't know is this a new red, character red mask that's red mask we ran into in the last issue ah so I see, I see, I see. but uh, he looks different on this cover there's more of an like uh red skull meets uh owl who's, who's the owl guy um owl man? owl man i thought there was another one are you um, thinking night owl from watchman maybe yeah maybe that's what i'm thinking <laughs> of i think it might be with the bulbous eyes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, that second cover with Batman on the uh, the roof looks really nice. Well, the extra shadow. That is nice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's very good. Uh, is that is that the Crusader cover or the Madoncha cover? I don't know. I'm looking at the. I just looked at the the signature, and I yeah, can't I tell. don't recognize it either. Weird. Uh, that might be the Casada. Yeah, uh, it is. It's Casada. I, I see a signature now. All right, it cool, makes cool. it. It's a big circle. Uh, oh, so that makes it Q. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. see it. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Very nice. We've got Detective Comics 1071, uh, more around V's run. And Federici on art for the, the next mm. part, which for That's me nice. is like, you know, we've had Ivan Reese, which is never bad, but it tends yeah. to not be like my favorite. It doesn't stand out for me. Well, we yeah. had a wild uh, Federici last week, uh, yes. which we didn't see coming. And it was and like, also, oh, this is a pleasant surprise. I opened <laughs> the book and I was like, Ooh, Federici, because I hadn't looked ahead. And I was like, yeah. just immediately, it's like, I, yeah, I know, know who this is. This is nice. Oh my yeah. God. Also, this backup couldn't be more for Connor if it tried. Spurrier and Wingard. I uh -huh. mean, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they, I, I think that was the team that did uh, Homesick Pilots, which mm -hmm. was a great book from Image. Uh, you mean the creator? Because when you said that, I immediately looked at the description yeah. to see what the backup was about. Oh, yeah, you meant no, the creators. The creators. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, okay, so there we got mm -hmm. Batman and Joker Deadly Duel issue 6, which is the penultimate issue. It's a seven-issue yeah. miniseries. Uh, I have to mention it's still Matt. <laughs> it's not like any of us are reading the anyway. <laughs> I just mentioned it and we're moving on. That's why I yelled skip. 
We got the Redler Year 1 issue 4. Skip. That too. Shut up. Uh, we got Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods issue 3. So this is uh, the sort of... So there's a few Lazarus Planet books that are kind of going beyond the two months period where the most of the books are coming out. There's like some Aftermath books. Uh, but this has got G. Will Wilson, Becca Clooney, and Michael W. Conrad on the writing team. Um, it's interesting because that's the current and the past Wonder Woman teams. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and and with the way that, um, you know, the the Shazam book ended this week, it said check out Revenge of the Gods. So It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so Seems uh, like this is a lot of important type stuff is going to happen here for those characters. I would like to continue reading Shazam characters, so I hope this is good. Yeah. I would hope. Uh, then we got Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods issue 4, also solicited here, so uh, that, that bad boy's double show. I, I, I assume the last two were as well, I just don't remember. Yeah. Then we have Those Superman... Those March covers are not too oh, no. for me. Yeah, no, no, but you have the very anime Simone Mio cover afterwards, yeah. which I really like. But oh, and then I guess the show chocolate. cover. Uh, I mean, as far as anime-style covers go, I like that more than a lot of the other sort of more, like, kiddie anime ones. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's degrees of taste and all that. Uh, then we got Superman Lost, issue two. This is the Christopher Priest Superman uh, 10 issue series that uh, was announced for the mm-hmm. previous month. Extremely looking forward to this one. Uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. It's a very interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, as much as like, there's certain characters that I would wish to get more ongoings, I do like, like sort of more prestige, like 10 and 12 issue books that, you know, obviously Tom King's the one doing a lot of them, but you're getting these other examples mm-hmm. coming out. I'm just, you know. Priest and Pagulain are a great team. Um, yep. If you look through the the variants, there's a Superman like a, a white out suit, which is mm-hmm. very reminiscent of the uh, the Deathstroke suit that he had uh, yeah. during that Priest run. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, we got DC Speechless issue one, uh, which is written and drawn by Gustavo uh, Duarte, which mm-hmm. um, brings a style of humor to DC Universe and six short stories featuring funny moments in your favorite superheroes' lives. Where does Harley buy her mallets? What happens to Superman's radioactive clothes? What's a day off for Cyborg? Be sure to check out this entirely silent comic. So this is, you know, it's got a bit of a gimmick to it. Sounds uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, six dollars. So it's 56 pages. So it's a, uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's an anthology all by one creator who's doing both the, the, the writing and, and the art. Yeah. It seems like it's in a cartoony style. Yeah. Too. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's intriguing. Um, there we go. Icon versus Hardware issue three, which is a very nice cover actually. <laughs> um, then we yeah. have Static Shadows of Dakota issue three, more of the Milestone stuff, uh, and then we have the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country, the Glass House issue one. This is James Town the fourth writing this bad boy, uh, with Lissandro uh, Estherin on the art, it's, which is the same team as the uh, current Nightmare Country. Country book. So that's just so a sequel. Sequel, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, makes I might have sense. to get caught Se- up now. Sequel mini, so yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. On that subject, did you finish Nice House in the Lake, Connor? No, not yet. I'm, I, I've got... Basically, once I knew I was getting to the end, I was like, alright, I'm just going to wait. So I had like th- I have three issues to go, and I knew, because I know the last issue comes out on Infinite in like a week's time, okay, so I was like, okay. I'm just going to wait and do all three issues in, in one sitting. Uh, all I will say, no spoilers of any kind, I'll just say that both me and Matt, when we got to the end of that last year, went, oh, James, mm-hmm. you sly bastard. 
yeah. was the reaction. Did not realize there's going to be a werewolf book the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad it seems to have stuck the landing more than uh, the reactions I glimpsed from DC vampires, at which point I still haven't <laughs> oh, no. finished that yet because oh. I look at Jimmy. it and go, mm-hmm. To be fair, we discussed that too. That it felt like a book of two halves. Yeah, the, the entire and, last and half the was the half on the other half. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Last half was not good. Uh, uh, before we get back to more single issues, I'd like to highlight some of the, the collections uh, around about here. Uh, we have Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, the hardcover coming out of the event. Uh, you know, straightforward enough. Uh, collections League seventy five, uh, as well as issue zero plus obviously one through seven. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Relatively complete. Uh, Tales from Dark Crisis, uh, which I'm just going to assume without looking is all the tie-in one-shots that they did. It is, yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense. And then Dark Crisis Worlds with a Justice League. Again, probably self-explanatory. It's all those worlds with a Justice League one-shots that they did. Yeah. Shockingly, yeah. Yeah. So all straightforward. And then Dark Crisis Young Justice is the miniseries they did that tied into the event. So all this makes yeah. sense. I actually read... I have one issue left of this. I, did, I was reading this one. Just not for the show. Um, and I'm curious to see what Connor would think of this one. Because uh, Fitzmartin is writing the Tim Drake book. Um, yes. And I'm curious to see how their writing compares. So if you get a chance, I would I would like for you to check out the Young Justice book. Yeah, and then... You can read Dark Crisis, but... <laughs> it, it actually does not tie into Dark Crisis, except for the fact that the Justice League is gone. And... Something happens to bring the Young Justice to a time before, so it's yeah, it, okay. it doesn't actually so it stretch the limits of tie-in, is what you're saying. Yes, it's more like a Young <laughs> Justice book of what's going on with them, you know. So, mm. so then we got a couple of hardcovers of the One Bad Day books, which are doing individually. Although last month, uh, Connor, they had like a. You can buy the first one coming out with like a, a box that will fit all the hardcovers if you buy yeah. the rest of them. <laughs> but it's just, so it's like it's like the first book plus like a box that will have another seven slots. It kind of confused us a little because we thought yeah. it was going to be the whole thing. thing. Yeah. No, yeah. they've done that a few times before when they've done it with like, um, uh, I think they did with like some of the Sandman ones with the slipcases. Sure. So they'll do like a slipcase that has space, you know, you know, room for the next one to put in for the next well, deluxe edition. Well, I would be fine with it if it was split a bit more. Like, like I, I think I think it's a little bit shitty. They're just doing individual hardcovers of the one shots one by one. Like bundle them at least in twos for the for the collection, just to, <sighs> you know. I, I get that. Yeah, but I also think they're just about big enough that they probably make a nice slim hardcover. It, it, it's weird because obviously the, the floppy is essentially the same, right? Just with Probably inferior couple, binding, right? Uh, at that point. Maybe a couple of extras in the hardcover, I assume. For the yeah, back. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just like, honestly, ideally I would say you do two, four issue collections that are, you know, <sighs> meaty, but whatever. Um, they're going to melt this because they're $18 each, RRP. Yeah. So. Which is less than a standard trade. To be fair, but and aren't they aren't they bigger though too? It's a it's a six by five eighths by ten by three sixteenths. I mean that's a, a little bit that's bigger than the paperbacks. It's standard hardcover, which is a little bit bigger than a floppy issue. Okay. Yeah, slightly. It's not much bigger though. Slightly, so it's yeah. not much. So yeah, it's a little bit bigger than the the single issue, but uh, I mean that that eighteen dollars is about the price that they normally charge for a paperback trade like a six issue trade mm. give or take yeah so it just, it's I, not 
I mean, I know it's hardcover, but it's it's like it just it feels weird to me that the you know the issue was what eight dollars or whatever, and then the hardcover yeah. it's basically the exact same, maybe with a couple of extras at the back, is eighteen dollars. You know, it's quite an uptick yeah. in price for it's about like half the, the size of a standard hardcover. So I, I mean, how much do they charge for the normal hardcovers? So they got one coming out twenty five dollars for the next yeah. one. So yeah. yeah, which uh, while we're on it, is Poison Ivy Volume One, uh, the Jewel mm-hmm. Wilson series. So. That's cool. We have Nightwing Volume 1. This is the paperback. Obviously, the hardcover's been out for a while. Uh, so, cool. And then Nightwing Volume 3, the hardcover. So, that tells you where the hardcovers are <laughs> in the collection. They picked a great cover. They, they definitely did. Um, uh, interesting, it's only a five-issue trade instead of six, which obviously, you know, that's just where the story falls. But DC tend to be a little bit stricter, usually, on, on where they do, what they do with their trades. Well, I think the fact that issue one hundred's a long issue probably affects like how it collects. That's true. Yeah, because the next the next one will probably be the annual plus issue one hundred. Yeah, right? that'll be six issues worth. Well, yeah, but also, I mean, this ends, this one ends at ninety six, Matt. So it'll be like ninety seven to like one hundred two, probably. Right. No, but ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine is three issues worth. Uh huh. And then the hundred is two issues worth, and then the annual is two issues worth right. as well. So yeah, but like the annual issues worth of content. Yeah, but the annual's not the end of the arc, though. I'm oh, sorry, not the annual. The issue one hundred's not the end of the arc. It's like no. part. It's like part three or four true. of the arc. So I don't think that's the end of the. Yeah, the thing. that's true. Yeah. Not, not that I'm saying that the ending of the that doesn't work yeah. as the cliffhanger of a hardcover because it could, but yeah. But you're right. But it does say part. You know. Part, yeah. Was that? It was part know, four or five all this time. Yeah. Yeah. So. I didn't feel the end of the story, so I suspect no. it'll just be a bigger trade next time. Yeah. Um, but it's awkward, though, because if you... I don't know. We'll, we'll get to what we talk about, but I, I think the where this issue ends, I think could be the end of the trade. Mm-hmm. It, it could be, but I'm just, you know, I don't, it, it's definitely not numbered well, to, like, the end of the and story. And I'm just thinking with how much Heartless has to do with this. Maybe they would save the Heartless origin for whenever, you know, that big arc is. You know, I think we're in that mm-hmm. arc. <laughs> That's what I mean, but yeah, that's what I mean. But maybe there's a bigger arc beyond it. You know what I mean? I don't so they'd probably maybe save the annual for that. Honestly, I think it's just the case of the arc ended at ninety six, and it would be awkward to include like the next two issues or whatever because that's the first two of the next arc. So mm-hmm. it's just the way it fell. Would be, would be my guess. Uh, but there you go. So that's Nightwing Volume Three, Black Adam Volume One, first half of this uh, current Black Adam series, uh, New Champion of Shazam getting a hardcover, which is cool. Uh, obviously, it's finished uh, this week. Uh, it actually also includes a story from Lazarus Planet, We Were Once Gods, which obviously we've not got yet, but... Uh, that's where that's picking up. Not Revenge of the Gods. We Were Once Gods. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think easy to get confused because the yeah. other one did feature Billy Bats and Shazam yeah. on that cover, for sure. Right, right. Yeah. So. Uh, then we got Absolute Preacher, Volume 1, being reprinted. So, yeah. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh... Uh, Absolute Sandman Overture, also reprinted. So... Which is stunning, by the way. And if, if, if you've not read... Uh, you do have to read it after the rest of Sandman. It is kind of like the ending. Uh, but it is just a, the, the art. Uh, Williams is what? it's just gorgeous. What, what, what's with this helmet-y thing on the front? It, it looks helmet. like... Whose helmet? Dreams. Dream wears a helmet? Sometimes. It's one okay. of his like symbols of power, but like he he has an official helmet that he, <laughs> okay. he wears when he does he, his official duty. He looks like the space jockey from Alien, so that's why I just yeah, have questions. Bit. I have a sticking suspicion that may have been inspired by that because it reminded me of that as well. Yeah. Okay. Just a thought. 
Uh, the paperback for the Jeff John Shazam series <laughs> been released, which I'm oh, yeah. shocked that that's not existed. Yeah, I'm shocked that that's not out yet, to be honest. Uh, and then Power Shazam. Oh, no, it, oh. is, it says offered again, so it's a reprint. Oh, it's a reprint. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fair enough then, I guess. Uh, I assumed that there'd just been a hardcover and this was the paperback coming. Uh, and then we got Power Shazam Book 2, The Worm Turns, uh, which is Power Shazam 13 to 23 and some related tie in issues. Um, I guess that's the nice thing about getting a second movie is that they're doing a volume two of a new trade series they started when the yeah. first movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Um, I'm all for it. there's not too much more because you're probably not getting another movie. No, I highly doubt it. Uh, I don't know how long this run lasted. Someone can, uh, can check how long the, the, uh, I assume 80s Shazam? Maybe early 90s Shazam series? Early 90s, I'd yeah. guess too. Uh, so we got History of DC Universe, uh, getting a hardcover. And then Batman Vengeance of Bane issue one facsimile edition. So that's what you're in now. Uh, and then Wonder Woman Historia the Amazons. Uh, Did you cover. finish that, Connor? Uh, no, I was decided to wait and just read all in one okay. go again because it right. was so dense. I really like that yeah. first issue, but it was so dense. I'm like, I just want to read gotcha. it all as a as a hardcover. By the time the second one came out, you couldn't remember a damn thing. Yeah, effectively. A little bit. Uh, yeah. I just checked, by the way, uh, Paris Shazam, uh, mid-90s to late-90s, it ran for 47 issues, so there's oh, like wow. at least another trade or two's worth. Probably, yeah. Depending one, on what other tie-ins there were. What, probably one bulky trade, but if there was more tie-in issues, then maybe two, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, hopefully get two of them <laughs> at some point. Uh, we got Batman Beyond White Knight hardcover, so that's coming, and then DC Pride The New Generation, which is... The Pride special, but also the Tim Drake stories from uh, Urban Legends. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Uh, and then we have Gotham Academy uh, being reprinted. Is this a... It's a complete trade, 1 to 18 yeah. and, and the annual. So it's a, the full thing. But it's a 470-page yeah. uh Don't, don't drop this paperback yeah. on your toe. Yeah. Uh, which I guess That's I mean a... I've seen like, the, the No Man Land trades are, are mm -hmm. about that size maybe even a little bit bigger yeah. so it's not that unheard of but it is, it is did, quite did big. either you read this? I did I thought How it was kind it? of it was pretty fun it's not like okay. standout amazing or anything it, but yeah, no I definitely had fun with it yeah I think I tried like the first issue back when it I launched think, I think it was around the same time as what was the other Gotham book with, with, uh, with um, Jim Corrigan in yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Gotham, Gotham by Midnight, or whatever. Yes, yeah. I think it launched around the same time as this, and and yeah. that was definitely the more interesting book. Uh, but this was light-hearted fun. Yeah. Uh, Teen Titans Go box set one TV or not TV? Oh, that's a, that's actually quite a good title. I'll, that's good. I, I get the credit yeah. for that. Uh, that's a slipcover with three trades in it. Um, and then we got a Superman seventy eight, Batman eighty nine box set with those two trades together. That is a fantastic box. Right yeah, designed like a VHS case. Yeah, it's like an old yeah. VHS case, and even the spines of the trades look like the spines of VHS, you know, with the, the sticker labels that you on draw them. draw on? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. That yeah. good. It's a nice touch. Uh, and then we have Girl Taking Over, a Lois Lane Story uh, 2023 Free Comic Book Day Special Edition. Mm -hmm. So, cool. Something different. Uh, Excerpt from upcoming graphic novel. Yeah, it's the same vein. We have Clark and Lex and fan club batman squad 2023 free comic day special edition uh 
It's a very confusing title, but... <laughs> it's a very confusing title. See, when you just look at the cover, it's just yeah. it's a Clark and Lex special edition, uh-huh. and then it's uh, flip over for a sneak peek at fan club Batman squad, so it's two right. different things. But, yeah, but it looks like a cartoony, you know... You know, Captain Underwear kind of version of Batman. Yeah, the title as it's written down sounds very confusing. It makes sense once you yeah. kind of realize what it is, but it's just kind of yeah. yeah. When you look weird. at the cover, it's not that confusing, but just the way it's solicited. Yeah, yeah. and then the actual graphic novel it's uh, talking about is underneath that uh, for Clark and Lex. And then we're back to single issues. We got Batgirls issue seventeen, uh, which is coming. Really nice uh, cover by the, the great cover. The book's original mm-hmm. artist, uh, which is nice to yeah. see. Uh, I really like all the covers. Actually. Yeah, the variant with Steph on the yellow background is really nice as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, now you've got the sort of, I guess, uh, hip hop one with Steph and yeah. Cass. That's kind of nice, though. Yeah. Yeah, they're all the good. Only one, the only thing I don't like about the one with Steph on the yellow background is there's some weird, like, separation of the layers around the top of her hood into the yellow. It kind of just feels like it doesn't sit on the yellow quite that nicely. Mm, yeah. But uh, m- yeah. mostly quite nice stuff. Very nice. Uh, Batman Incorporated issue seven. Coming out, we got Professor Pig on the cover of that. So uh, always fun, and a weird clown in the, on the second one. Oh, really? Oh. Like a clown cowboy sort of thing. Clown boy. That's someone's put Joker into like a, an app, and it's a cowboy version of him. That's what's well, no. There. So that guy's no? name is Dusty Bronco from Joker Inc. Which, if you look on the side of it <laughs> i like him i was saying that as if he knows like that's actually this character from a joker yeah. ink uh-huh. i'm an you expert guys believed, you guys would have believed me had i not said <laughs> yeah it does say uh, if that were enough the road to joker ink begins yeah. here so well, i might just turn into a comic book guy from the simpsons for a second <laughs> yeah uh, issue ever batman superman world's finest issue 14 uh so that's cool. and laura never has a break no apparently not uh but who killed who Simon Stagg on, co- yeah. on the cover? Yeah, I'm down. willing to bet there was a line. Yeah, oh, the variants uh, quite nice and pulpy as well, actually. Which one? Yeah. Uh, the the first variant, the one that's like all the the the, the outsiders <laughs> running at the bottom, uh, and Superman with uh, some Legion members up at the top. Took me a second to realize what they were. <laughs> like, who, who are these chumps? Like, oh, those the Legion members. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would argue, but sales are on your side. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously because uh, that this book's set in the past, it's like you know old school yeah. versions of these characters, which is you know neat. Uh, Another anime style cover from the same artist as before, but mm-hmm. actually really like the way it's laid out. Like, I would love to see that as interiors with the as panel layouts. I think oh, it's really sure. stylish. Uh, Batman The Adventure Continues Season 3, Issue 4. Uh, just add more numbers to the title. That <laughs> rolls it off the tongue. Uh, yes, with, with definitely not a certain someone there on the front cover, right? Yeah, that's right. I was trying to look and be like, who? Um, okay. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, Danny <laughs> uh, Grump. That's, that's all that is. Yeah. Yeah. Any similarities to anyone living or dead is purely uh, yeah. I'm really trying to figure out who what character it's supposed to be. But yeah. 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 I'm wondering if it's supposed to be this uh, the not so funny sidekick straight man. Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so they're having fun with that. But it looks a bit Black Adam issue. Yeah, Black Adam issue ten uh, with another banger of a cover. If there's one thing that book's had consistently, yeah. those main covers have been gorgeous. Get, I need to get caught up on that book. I need to find. I need a time turner to get more I time. Read, in my day. I don't think I've read the last issue yet 
I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's been good. It's been yeah. Pretty good. Uh, Blue Beetle graduation day issue six wraps up that book. Mm-hmm. Okay, Did anyone try that out? How was it? Yeah, we, we did. We've, we've read the first two issues. Yeah. No, it's decent. It, yeah. Um, if you're catching up on stuff, I would say prioritize other things. But if you get caught up, then mm. it won't hurt. Yeah, like this is the thing. Like, I think both issues we've read. Like, if this was a busier week, it would be the first thing yeah, that probably yeah. goes. But it's a decent enough read for for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fair enough. So. And if you're downloading it, don't make the mistake I did and accidentally get the Spanish language version. Um, oh, from Comicsology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, even the English version has a reasonable amount of Spanish in it. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to just sort of yeah. skip past if you don't uh, know Fair Spanish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've, I've got them saved on my uh, my infinite library. Yeah. So mm. I've got the first two issues, I think, are on there at the minute. So yeah, I, okay. I just haven't got one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Catwoman issue 54. Uh, Teeny Howard's run continues. Uh, Danger Street issue five. Uh, obviously, Carl's not here go. for the first two, but we've been praising uh, as as you would expect. <laughs> so, looking forward to more of that. Um, oh yeah, more Manhunter stuff. Oh yes. Uh, we got DC Ruby issue three. I swear we've had that series already, like twice, but they keep doing it. I think there was like Ruby DC before. Oh, was it? okay. Now it's flipped. That's yeah. Funny. Sometimes I feel like they intentionally make comic book titles just more confusing than mm-hmm. they need to be. Yeah. Just just call it Ruby DC two or some. I mean, I just complained about too many numbers, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know something. There must be a better way of doing it. Uh, Deceased World: The Undead Gods issue eight, the final issue and the final deceased mm-hmm. book coming in April. Uh, so we'll see how that wraps up. Uh, Justice Society of America issue five. Uh, so we've only had issue one of this so far, but obviously we were very intrigued by how it, how it wrapped yeah. up. Uh, so curious to see very, where it goes. Very prominent snow globe there, Pete. I I noticed that, and a certain character showed up in Star Girl this week that also mm-hmm. made me think of snow globes. So mm-hmm. uh, we got multiverse. Was it Minister Blizzard? No, it was not. Was not, but that's a good guess. <laughs> it's also not Cold Snap. So it's not. It's not Cold that Snap. That's my next guess. It's not Minister yeah. Blizzard. It's not Icicle Junior or Icicle Senior. But I should call the third. There's got to be one of those by or, now. Or Frost. Not yet, not or... yet but give, give Justice Society enough time. Killer Frost. <laughs> uh, uh, Multiversity, Harley Screws, the DCU, issue two is screws coming up. up. Oh, sorry, it's Screws up. crucial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was saying Screws in like a, you know, like a Vince Screwed Brett kind of way, not in a, okay. a sexy way. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we got Nightwing 103 uh, and... Redondo just loves killing with the covers. Tom yeah. Taylor did a little bit of teasing on Twitter about this. I don't oh, know did you saw. he? No, no, I didn't. So someone was like, hey, look, this is all great and all, and we're clearly doing a Titans arc, as as you know, you can see here. Uh, but shouldn't the Titans just get their own book? And he kind of retweeted. He was like, well, you know, we're, we're maybe maybe some more stuff coming soon. Uh, so, uh, don't do that to me. Yeah. Carl's got a ghost. I'm sure it's just his cat, but it, it looks is, like a ghost. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh just my go- goodness, this, this cover with the Titans oh, and the, the formal wear. Oh, the formal no. wear? I was looking at the faces one. Oh, I see, I see. Um, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, oh, they're looking man. very dapper, as they say. Uh, Poison Ivy issue 11, uh, coming up from Juella Wilson and Takara. Uh, and then we have Scooby Doo, where are you? One, two, one. Star Girl, The Lost Children, issue six, wrapping up that miniseries. So that's neat. Mm-hmm. And we got Batman, Scooby Doo Mysteries, issue seven. 
the Flash 796, uh, the final moments of the One Minute War. Uh, that's a pretty cool cover, actually, with all the uh, yeah. uh, Flash, Flash characters running. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so it's not perfect. Like, I don't necessarily love how all the faces are drawn, but the actual overall look of the, the yeah, cover is nice. Yeah, I was going to ask, is Jay meant to be really young? <laughs> and then I saw so, no, no, no. There's still a little bit of grey on the hair, just peeking out under the helmet. So yeah. I guess he's not. I, I, I was genuinely going to ask if that was like something to do with the, uh, the, the, the war. But, no. but nah, no, nah. I think it's just the way it's drawn. Yeah, it's just it's just the drawing. Uh, then Flash seven nine seven, uh, also Silicide, which is interesting. I mean, maybe this still counts as like an epilogue mm-hmm. to One Minute War, but like, obviously it's went it's went double shipping for. Uh, for the war, for yeah. the war, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's it's Kid Flash babysitting Jay and Irie, which sounds like fun because the family yeah. stuff's been really good. So yeah. very cool. Uh, so I, I, all I'm saying is, is, does that mean that it's staying double shipping once uh, right. the arc is done, uh, or maybe it's just like a, a little bit of holdover and it's back to single after that? We'll find, we'll find out in the next list, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joker Man Who Stopped Laughing issue seven. Uh, so that's coming out. And then we got Sandman Universe Dead Boy Detectives issue 5. And we have Tim Drake Robin issue 8 coming out. With a, oh, man. It's a very Sherlock Holmes looking cover you got yep. there for that book. But look who's on art. Who's on art? Not Riley Rosmo. No, it's Niccolo. There's a lot of accents and things on those yeah. letters. I don't think I can even try it. Yeah. Um, Very cartoony style. That that artist did the Zatanna Batman story I was reading in uh, in Urban Legends. Ah, so okay. very stylized in a similar way to Rosmo, but not nearly as interesting. Interesting. Uh, we got Wildcats issue six, uh, which is that not a mini? I guess it's not. Oh, fair enough. I guess not. Um... Uh, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, and then Wonder Woman 798, which it does mention is a Lazarus planet, uh, Revenge of the Gods tie-in. Uh, it does have a quite a cool cover, actually, with the big Shazam yeah. logo behind Wonder Woman with all the, the lightning and stuff. Yeah. Well, then the one behind it has uh, Diana in front of Mary. and uh... So, yeah, maybe there will be some more <laughs> Shazam against... Behind to make shenanigans. That, that's how you describe the next cover is be- the one behind yeah. this one. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's arrows going left to right. Yeah. Oh, there's a really nice cover uh, later on, though. It's like Diana's yeah. face from the side with lots of lightning around her. That's quite pretty. Uh-huh. I don't know which which uh, artist did that one. Sometimes it's hard to tell because there's like five variants listed. Uh, but then, anyway, after that, we I think we're out of the trades here. So we got Batman Fortress uh, hardcover. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we got Batman Urban Legends Volume 5. And then we have Static Season 1 uh, paperback. Uh, we got Still a Celebration of 30 Years hardcover. Uh, so this That's is a, cool. Yeah, this is a collection of different issues from different series. So it's kind of an anthology book with just important issues. So not something that you would have to read through from cover to cover, but if you just want a collection of like prominent mm-hmm. Steel issues. Um, and Connor's fixing technical issues, I think. There's a lot of stuff going on over there. Uh, we got Superman Son of Kal-El Volume 3 hardcover, um, which is the... Uh, is this the last of the Tom Taylor? Like, obviously, we only have the mini afterwards, but I mean, is this the last of the... Uh, well, it says, yeah, 11 to 15. Is 15 the so, last issue? Or did it go beyond I that? Think, I can't remember. I think 15 was the last issue. Okay, okay. Uh, Teen Titans Academy Volume 2 uh, paperback. 
Remind me when we get to Nightwing to have a point about Teen Titans Academy. Don't let me forget. Okay. I'll try and remember. Uh, Tom Strong Compendium. 952 pages in a paperback of Tom Strong. Good lord. Uh, 36 issues, this is. Uh, I would love to read this, but I respect my back too much. <laughs> uh, this collects issues written by Alan Moore, Leah Moore, and uh, Ed Brubaker, as well as others. Uh, it's got a nice Alex Ross cover, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love the concept of Tom Strong. It's very Doc Savage by, you know, by, you know, it's the whole point of that character. And then finally, uh, we're getting a new printing of the V for Vendetta Absolute Edition. So, cool. This might be the first time I made it through the entire uh, solicits in a while that I could see all the covers. <laughs> yes, but Connor's, Connor's like emerging from like below the desk, like uh, fixing cables. I have no idea what he's done. I, I, maybe, maybe he went mute again, and that's what he's trying to fix. I'm not sure. But, maybe. Uh, I just looked over and he was doing shit. Whoa! He <laughs> oh, sounds like a robot! <laughs> <laughs> there is no Connor, only Zool. How's that now? Oh, there you yes. go. Yes, I think I've got a dodgy cable somewhere, which is what's going on. It's disconnecting uh... my microphone uh, from the sound card. I need a new XLR yeah. cable then. That's what... <laughs> I, I, well, that's, I don't know if it's the XLR from the from this to the to the sound card, or if it's the USB from the sound card to the computer. Ah, well, it's one of those, but yeah, get one and of each. And... Is, uh, when when the cat came in, speaking of, <laughs> the door just swings gone open. and knocked the cable. Yes. <laughs> Again. Ah, uh, uh, innocent pooty cat. Cat did nothing wrong. That's huh? that's just not true. <laughs> Where are my cats? I've got two of them in here. Garrus is on the bed, Wesker's on the couch behind me. Snoozing about. There you go. <laughs> oh, we got cat cam. There you go. My cat's not in here. Oh, uh... she's been very she's been very um moody lately. And I never know what it's it's gonna be if she's gonna bite me or, or cuddle on me. Yeah, so it's been it's been he got snipped this week. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh. I never found out. What did you guys name the cat? Cleo. Because okay. for like two months, it was like, oh no, it, you know, it, it, it's a girl, definitely a girl. Two vets were like, yep, definitely a girl. And then a uh, third vet was like, hmm, you said you said she was a girl. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been double checked and double checked already. Like, yeah, well, he's got balls. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're not changing the name now. Pretty important subject to come up when you are going to fix some, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's just C. Leo, right? You call him Cleo for short. You could, yeah. Yeah. But it just kind of stuck. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, because I thought it was a girl cat. Then when he said he got snipped, I was like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, well... I don't know, it's fun when they come back from the vet after getting snipped and they're still a little bit out of it from the anesthetic or whatever it is they give them. Yeah. He was in a big cone, but he was destroying it and just getting it off constantly. So we got one of these little bodysuit things to not... So, that, so they don't, you know, rip open the, the stitches. Of course, yes. Mm-hmm. 
which is still not loving, but... The, the, the cone of shame, as we call it. Well, the cone was annoying because he had no spatial awareness and just kept walking into things, <laughs> us included, because he couldn't figure out this is where the cone is and just, like, banged into absolutely everything. Hmm. And every time he tried to run through your legs, it was, oh, now I'm going to go falling over. <laughs> well, I mean, Connor's already got a history of being yes. toppled to the ground by sweet, innocent animals with no threatening demeanors whatsoever. Yeah, so no, definitely not. It wouldn't be shocking for a little kitten to <laughs> break uh, Connor's you, you arm. You say this as if, as if I haven't heard these jokes every single day at work. <laughs> Uh, hey, don't worry. Last week we were uh, theorizing uh, about your trip, and <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know how in it's always sunny. The whole story about uh, uh, Dennis taking a woman out in the boat. The implication, yes. The implication. Well, we were just theorizing that maybe there was an implication that if if you know she didn't say yes, that there's a volcano right there, like. <laughs> And either either way, either you're jumping in or you're pushing. We we weren't, you know, deciding which which side. We're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I don't believe you for a second. In my head, you proposed at the top of a volcano. No, we were out in the middle of nowhere, so you, so there was no lights. You could see the northern lights. <laughs> I thought I was going to say we were out in the middle of nowhere. So that she said no, there was nowhere they'd find her body. <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> Connor, what's the shuffle for? Nothing. Uh, yeah. It's a contingency uh, plan, that's all. Yeah, yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> oh dear. Alright, let's get into the book, shall we? <laughs> oh, Matt, get off your phone. You're so unprofessional. Sorry. He's, he's, he's sitting there texting his, uh, I don't know, his hockey guy or something. He's getting... No, and say they're trading for his gambling addiction or so. I don't know what you. I don't know what you no, do. Oh no, no, you don't gamble on hockey if you, if you like having money. <laughs> uh, you, you gamble on football. That's where the easy money is. I'll take your word for it. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I you Americans, are, you, you're pros at gambling, aren't you? You're all allowed. To all <laughs> no, because I still don't. Even though I was born and raised in a city where gambling's big, I don't. It, it's too... I was going to say, Connor, he, yeah. he does live in Las Vegas. That's not... Yeah, yeah no, and I've still probably done more than he has. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably. I just, we, we, we just don't, and so I, like, I don't... Culturally, it's not, like, the same. Yeah. No. It's, um, well, it's doesn't mean people, sports... people in the UK are good at it, though. I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just... Uh, sports is just one of those things that I don't need to have money on a team to enjoy the game, you know, like like a lot of people do, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I like I like having my money. I work hard for my money. I'm not gonna go risk it, you know. Um, I am. There's a reason why other casinos are so big and have you know such nice floors. I am interested in at some point in the relative near future arranging some kind of group quiz, not for this show in particular, yeah. but for just male fuzz in general. And mm -hmm. uh, like I don't have people put money on who's going to win or anything, but there should be stakes of some kind, and I do. Mm -hmm. That's all the quizzes on, really. Good. That'll probably just be general movie stuff and you know pop culture. You know, but I like that Connor's not good in quizzes, so I would definitely take. Yeah, it wouldn't all be take the field. It wouldn't all be trivia though. There'd be different rounds. Like yeah. you know, one round might be like more of like a Pictionary style thing. So this is all this is all just part of Pete's dream to eventually host a game show. You know, that's all he wants. I think that people would enjoy it. 
Plus, it's an excuse for people who don't normally record shows together to, you know, True. think together for a couple of hours. You know, be fun. And then, and then enter the chaos goblin known as Tim. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to record with Tim that often, man. It'd be a treat. No, it's like, well, I'm saying he's like a whammy, right? You just introduced Tim to the game and. and- my- <laughs> Everything goes to <laughs> And my real goal is to get Connor on the same episode with uh, the man who made him read every issue of Red Hood. Uh- <laughs> mm. So so he's got like a, a thirst for vengeance. He's got a reason to crush someone. Thirst thirst for blood. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> oh, we. Uh, I don't know. Big plans for the future. I'll uh, I'll, I'll look into it. But anyway, uh, we're here to talk about comics. We got two, four, six, eight. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. I, I read oh, nine. Boy. So there's ten books, and then there's two Patreon books from Connor. So we'll get into it. Let's get, books, what are you saying? let's get cracking. Well, yeah, if you want to do the maths, but that, I feel like that's cheating. Well, you tried. No, that's cheating. Doing math is cheating. Okay. Just because you let her boxed. That's the letter box in the show. Well, you can follow me if you want, Matt. I don't, uh... no, I have to, I don't follow all of you guys. Yeah, that's fine. Uh... I mean, I don't care if you follow everyone else, but you should follow me. Hey, Dan. Dan's a good follow for movies. Me and him have a lot of crossover. He's a good. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Dan, yeah. who no, no one listening to the show knows who that is or is ever No, but you guys know who Dan is. Well, yeah, but you have to keep it yeah. relatively approachable for the audience. Yeah. Well, what Matt's saying is that, that all the audience should follow us on Twitter and then they'd see our interactions with Dan and they'd know yeah. Dan as well. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. his name on Twitter's not even Dan. It's not, it's not, we know he's Dan, but like they don't know he's Dan. It is his name on no, Twitter. I, I his name right now is Elon. Musk Elon. Yeah, that's right. His name right now is Elon Musk is a C word. That is his name right now on Twitter. You don't get Dan which, from that. Which, which, yeah, which shifted from uh, the, the name was about Elon Musk maybe filleting a dog. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah, I saw this. Oh no, that's Dan's what it is great. now. I, uh, I saw Elon Musk fillet a dog once. That, that's oh, okay, okay. Well, it was the other one for a while. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. So. Oh dear. Okay. All right. Anyone else you want to name drop that no one's ever heard of except from us? I mean, I could, but I don't need to. Maybe later. Yeah. Maybe later. All right. I bring up James all the time. <laughs> yeah, you don't complain about that. Yeah. Straw that brought the camels back, all right? <laughs> uh, uh, at least at least Tim's on another show. At least there's like some no, reference for him where I can play. He's on Screams really, After Midnight. You go, go check so out Screams. Like- so my all-time favorite Tim moment on on here is when we were discussing the last Hellboy movie, and he just talked about how bad it was. And still gave it a ten. That's <laughs> why he's a chaos goblin. Oh, uh, dear. Okay. Um, Nightwing, SG one hundred. That's what we're starting with this week. Tom Taylor writing uh, with Bruno Redondo, but also a lot of other artists because uh, it's a big issue. I felt really immediately like, oh yeah, there was a there was like there's a few pages of Redondo, and then it drops off a cliff about four pages in. No, absolutely, absolutely. Like I have a lot of good things to say about this issue. This issue, there's a lot of things I really liked. I shed tears at a certain point later on in this issue, but the art. Was was definitely like, and it almost did something that I could have respected. 
like there's a there's a bit in it where it goes through a series of uh, like uh splash pages yeah. where it shows you like kind of an evolution of nightwing right and i thought if it didn't start with redondo see if it just like started with another artist and the idea was that each time the artist changed for those splash pages it was like it was going to end in redondo because he's the current nightwing artist right. i could have respected thematically what it was going for there but that's not what it does it starts with redondo and then Rodolfo goes away and he comes back near the end. <laughs> I believe all of the artists that were on here are ones that were associated with Nightwing. Right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Which, which I did like. I just wish there was more of an order to it. So, like, because to me, when I think of Nightwing and first getting into comics, it's that Scott McDaniel art. Um, so maybe a lot of maybe the earlier stuff, or maybe the stuff between him and Bruce, being done by him would have been okay. But it all just feels like. A cluster. I, I don't think his art suits the modern action stuff that he's written for him. No. Yeah. No. Also, that that, that like five pages of the the outfits, mm-hmm. I thought was a bit, a bit much. I don't think I needed like five or four, four or five full pages of that. In, I, I, no, like, but it felt like okay, we're just. It's it a self nice, at that point. It's a self, but it's a it's a showpiece for the artist to do. Like, yeah. Look at this. Big image of Nightwing and an issue that's celebrating. What I do love about it, though, I agree it's maybe a bit much, but I do love that there's no Rick Grayson, but they do make a point of doing the blue suit before the red suit and then the current Mm -hmm. blue suit after the red suit. (laughs) I also thought it was interesting, like, one of the artists on this is uh, Mikhail Yannon. Obviously, Mm -hmm. his stuff with Nightwing is actually the the Grayson stuff. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a have a suit to draw like no. you know his suit uh, you know like, like well, which i'm assuming has happened with the other eyes but there's no robin either yes. right so i think right. it's very it's very clear that this is just all the night wings Nightwing. it's not because it could be very easy to start off with these robin and then switch to Nightwing yeah. and so on no it is it's just it's, it's very clear that what it's doing here is you know it's the artists from all those previous runs drawing their suit well and i think it's also artists that had also ties to bloodhaven except for except for yannon right because that was all over the world um, was the uh, the new Fifty Two stuff was Amblood? Yeah, I yeah. believe it's been so. a while. Mm-hmm. Right. So was he not about... traveling during that with the circus? Maybe a little bit, but it was, it was definitely in Bloodhaven slash Gotham, uh-huh. yeah. primarily. Because okay. I remember the circus. He he reconnects with the circus. Yeah. Um. There and that's where we got the Talon stuff that was retrofitted into yes. the Talon stuff. So, um, but yeah. So no, I yeah, I just wish the art there was more of a, a form to it and a more of a structure. Um, but when the Redondo pieces hit, they hit real real nice. Yeah, no, but I like everything this is doing from a story perspective though, because mm-hmm. it's uh, everything it sets up. Obviously, it's playing on everything that the, the run's been doing with Heartless making his big move. Uh, the crux of the story, uh, you know, we'll come back to like uh, Dick with Bruce because it, it comes back at the end. So we'll just get to it when it comes back mm-hmm. in because that's where all the juicy stuff is. Uh, but it is it primarily focuses around the idea that the the prison the the prison in Bloodhaven is the first thing you see when you're coming into the city via the bridge, mm-hmm. and Nightwing doesn't like that because it's like here's a reminder of a lot of our failures, uh, not to mention how corrupt the, the system is. So that like, you know a lot of the prisoners really don't really belong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just you know they can't afford bail. Um, and that the the point of Bloodhaven is that they they relish the cruelty. Yeah. Right by locking people in there and. You know, reminding them of all the people coming into the city or right on the out. Like, very, very good social commentary from Taylor there. Yeah. And, you know, I like, I don't dislike the second artist by any means. Like, I think it looks like Ooh. a really, it's like a fun 90s style. It's just such a jarring yeah. shift from, uh, from yeah, Redondo. If, if you're reading that 90s book, 
it's probably fine. Yeah. But in this one, it, it just. But after really the the sensibilities of Redondo, and it seems so much softer, and the colors, you know, pop. It's not as heavy on the inks. Yeah, everything's right? just yeah, very different. Mm -hmm. But Heartless uh, breaks out of the prison. He wants to recruit all the prisoners, including KG mm -hmm. Beast, to raise hell in Bloodhaven. He wants to prove that the city, you know, is is basically a mess, and like yeah. you, you can't restore order here. It's always going to have this element of chaos. Um, and even releases Elephant Man into the <laughs> into the city. Uh, so that's kind of our big action thing of the issue is that all this going on is like Nightwing shows up. Eventually, the Titans show up as well to help, and it's them dealing with this crisis to give us all the action and the and the, the spectacle, which is which is fun stuff. Um, but I think the more heartfelt part of it is that he actually convinces some of the prisoners, like, hey. This guy that's recruited you and let you out is like a, a child killer. He, he, he literally takes families and breaks them apart and murders people. Do you really want to be associated with them? And actually recruits some of the prisoners to help with the crisis, which I thought mm -hmm. was, again, was a good, uh, you know, it's a very good Dick Grayson sort of form of heroism yep. as well. But just in general, it was a nice bit of social comment. It's like, hey, not everyone in here, like someone who's in here because they, you know, cheated their taxis a bit. <laughs> it doesn't make them right. want to say with a serial killer. Uh, right. and you cause like infinite darkness in the city and evil and whatever. So, mm -hmm. uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but yeah. So, no nah, Titans show up. Uh, it's a you know fun bit of time. Uh, they all split up and do their individual bits. Uh, I really like the page of uh, Beast Boy becoming an elephant to take on Elephant Man. I thought that was a really nice, mm -hmm. well done little sequence. Having fun with the yeah. concept. Uh, I do have an issue though, and am I just being that? When when um, Beast Boy turns back into his regular form, he's wearing an eye patch still. Shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't the animal version have an eye patch? I think they're missing an opportunity. Uh, that's a fair statement. I mean, I will say at least that eye that's got the eye patch over it is constantly in shadow when he's the elephant. So mm -hmm. it may suggest that he's still missing that eye even when he's an elephant. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. that that's fair. I just think it would be funny. I mean. I I don't know for sure. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely yeah. don't. I'm just saying that maybe because, uh, you know. But you're right. He does have the air patch back on. Maybe, maybe he's got like a spear in his pocket that he, he whips back on yeah. after he's retransformed. <laughs> I mean, he loses all of his clothes when transformed. So I think we can yeah. argue that the eye patch just goes with the rest of his outfit. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's an old Titans issue somewhere that explains how he gets his clothes it's, back. Yeah, it's not like the big green elephant is has got his you know red outfit stretched right. over it. That is very true. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just saying, they're just missing an opportunity for. Matt a just wanted to see an elephant with an John, eye patch. I, I'm I'm going to say actively <laughs> say the eye is missing because yeah. in the in the in the bit where it's transforming, you can see you know it does like a step by step transformation of his mm -hmm. face, and mm. it, I, I'm almost there's no eye there. Yeah, no, I would say as well. Yeah, it's just sort of shadow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think why I'm not I'm not saying it's conclusive because you never actually see both eyes at the same time to see what the other one looks like and and they mm -hmm. are <laughs> so. I would that's, say it's inconclusive fair, on that but... ground, but that's that's the only reason why I'm I'm doubtful. But otherwise, I agree. Yeah, at least there's no eye there. So yeah, but anyway, uh, but the big thing is that Heartless actually wants to go and see Zuko, and this actually makes a lot of sense because we found out Heartless's backstory, and I think it was the annual, which was a great issue. Uh, revealed a lot of really interesting stuff about Heartless's backstory that he was basically like this kid who was destined to be a serial killer because he had all those like impulses and. He was in the crowd when the Graysons died, and that was the time he realized that he liked watching people die. Which I I loved that as a uh, as a point. 
Yeah, it, it just it felt like a, such a natural thing. It didn't feel like a big retcon because he's just in the because it was no. a public event, so it wasn't that right. much big to yeah, say that he was just in the crowd. Like these, these weird parallels with Bruce with the butler and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Uh, so this idea that he actually kind of like you know is like a fanboy of Zuko because Zuko is the one who committed that murder effectively and wants to like bring him in on his plans is actually really interesting and makes the Zuko stuff of like you know capturing him and dealing with him in the last several issues come back around and it's like, oh he it's, it wasn't just like a fun thing to do with him dealing with zuko it was like that's mm-hmm. setting up him for later in the the run as well because he's going to end up being with heartless it makes all of this feel like it is some sort of grand arc that's about mm-hmm. everything the nightwing sort of coming well, together we, into a story just the the decision that taylor made to have the you know we all call dick grace in the heart of the dcu right and that now his main foil is heartless and it's all about you know cruelty and you know basically this this shadow of who dick grayson is i think and and that shadow overstretching bloodhaven as dick grayson tries to make it a better place um yeah i definitely think that's the bigger arc at play here yeah uh and we also have obviously dick and kg beast having a bit of a fight uh i didn't Mm -hmm. particularly like the uh there's a a point here when he gets tackled by kg beast where dick mentions that he's you know he's he's improved his suit he's improved his batons Mm -hmm. and his grapple uh, over the years to handle more yeah. weight but that doesn't change the fact that his shoulder blade can only take so much so it doesn't matter <laughs> like, yeah and I you like can that feel detail. that in in that you know as kgb uh kgb's tackles him um it, it reminded me of that one spot in the ladder match pete i think it was at edge who who hits one of the hardy brothers um with the spear off the ladder oh yeah it's like jeff when he's dangling it yeah, yeah is that what it was yeah, yeah kind of reminded me of that a little bit um but yeah no you definitely the the shoulder pop here with all the stars around it and stuff this is reve- nice this is revenge for the uh the the fellow ted talk earlier he's, he's bringing up wrestling to, to alienate connor <laughs> yeah i'm i'm always going for here <laughs> uh so superman and wonder woman show up after the titans have helped dick take care of kg beast mm-hmm. and they've got an offer uh and they show him the hall of justice and basically uh, Superman carves out the Nightwing logo into one of the chairs, and and the, I mean it's it's all like screwed up, but there's like one chair still it's standing. The only chair left. Yeah, he's like here, and he's like, and I actually like this. He's like, I'll sit in it uh-huh. once the uh, it's cooled down, because right now it's uh <laughs> like molten. The hot. molten metal. You know, I appreciate the symbolism, but I might want to wait until the molten metal. It's yeah. not molten metal before I sit down. And Joy- Clark's like, yeah, that's fair. It's kind of wild that like between this Nightwing run and possibly other things, if Taylor's alluding to other books that you know. Are, are coming. I'm the, gonna find that tweet just to get what he actually said. Yeah, we're we're, we're kind of getting the promise of you know ba- way back when we started this show, mm-hmm. uh, in the first couple of weeks there was like a Justice League issue from the old book before mm-hmm. everything relaunched, or it was, there was still a couple of issues left. And one of the issues was Batman telling young Dick Grayson that one day he's going to lead the Justice League. I think it's very fascinating that mm-hmm. we're finally getting to at least kind of do that story, and it won't last forever, obviously, because comics yeah. are cyclical, but. We're finally getting a chance to actually explore that, and that's what he's talking to Batman about when it comes back around, and he's with Batman at Alfred's grave uh, to talk about how that they've never been here together to visit the gravesite. Um, and this is this is the scene, you know. I think this is the scene of the issue because this is the scene that mm-hmm. it's like, okay, what what always comes up when we talk about the relationship between Batman and Dick Grayson? We talk about how Alfred was this bridge between them. That Alfred mm-hmm. would like sort of slap sense into Bruce when he's been too much of a you know a stoic asshole and. Mm-hmm. He would be there to like communicate between them, and th- that's not there anymore. So Bruce has to actually say everything 
that he's feeling for once. Mm-hmm. And he does. Um, and he calls Nightwing his son. Uh, mm-hmm. Eventually, Dick hugs him and calls him dad. And it's all very emotional. Every, t- every time Tom Taylor brings up Alfred in this book, like, I get weepy-eyed. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's been that way since the first issue. It, well, literally since the first issue, yeah. Well, and it yeah. makes Alfred's death feel like it's important, right? Because in, in comic books, we kind of just roll our eyes at deaths now. Because it's ever, but this is the one death that between everything Taylor's done and then the stuff yep. with with uh, Damien that was happening in Robin. Joe Swale about it, it is that is the death itself was one that we didn't believe, but right? everything that's been done since then has made it feel like the most important death that we've yeah. had since any of us have probably been reading comics. Yeah, it's been what two years now. So about about. Yeah, maybe even three at this point. Maybe more. Yeah, but like I say, it's been it's been a couple of years. Um, and, you know, it's it's starting to feel like it might stick for a while. As yeah. opposed to, you know, at the time, like, oh, this will, this will be a year tops. Right. But now I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say forever because this is comics, but this could go for a decade. Well, well shit, yeah, Batman yeah. versus Robin, we were assuming that this is how they bring him back, right? And then that yeah. that all ended up being a, a yeah, ploy. Yeah, they, they, they spun you that know? around. But yeah. you know, Wade did a good job almost making me believe just yeah. once or twice there was just a little bit of like, oh, but I don't know, you're making me hope but it's here. Because, yeah, it's because of moments like this, and the one that gets me in this is that, you know, Dick takes off the domino mask, and then Bruce takes down the cowl, and then, you know, we see Bruce's face for the first time in, the issue, in this yeah, issue, yeah. and as they're talking, and then that that's what it leads to the hug, and just Bruce's reaction, so... Not just that he takes off the the mask because it shows that he's you know talking to, to Dick you know person to person, but it also lets Redondo show us Bruce's reaction to it, like in a, in a really good way. Um, oh yeah. yeah. So that whole sequence is is really really I, well done. I, I think the hope just before I talk about some of the dialogue in the scene, I think the hope with this is that again nothing lasts forever in comics, mm-hmm. but I think you hope that this like you know Dick leading the Titans as the New Justice League era and the Alfredless like you know, Alfred's dead era. Mm-hmm. Because it's actually good. It's not because we don't like Alfred. It's because his death right. actually had an impact. I think the, the, the hope is, is that we look back in this, kind of like the way we look back in like post-crisis where there's like a 10-year, 15-year period where mm-hmm. that was the continuity until it got reset again. And it was, you know, we might look back at that as like a golden era for us where yeah. that's maybe one of our favorite times in comics. And Well, I mean, yeah, you think about um, Mark Wade's Flash run and that was all about oh, yeah. Wally yeah. come to terms with not having Barry, you know? So... Um, Along the same lines, this is, you know, Dick coming to terms with being his own man while also... He's his own man, but he's his own man because he is the heart of the DCU. He's kind of that centerpiece that he has the connections to everybody. It's not just the Titans and Bruce, but Superman and Diana and all the people that come yeah. to talk to him here. I mean, yeah, it was, it was really nice, actually, uh, just even having Superman and Wonder Woman be the ones to come and ask this of him, mm-hmm. not Bruce. You know, it's like... Right? You know, it's the other ones that he's not directly connected to that are like, mm-hmm. hey, no, we trust you with this. It should be you that does this. Yeah. Uh, and that leads to the dialogue of the scene, which is, you know, Bruce saying, oh, Alfred would say that you inspire me and things like that. You know, it's, it's a mm-hmm. lot of really heartfelt uh, sentiments in there. Um, and he says, you know, it, 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 Bruce thinks that he's failed him. He says, I'm sorry I failed you. I failed you. Know, he's like, you've not failed anything. What are you talking about? Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's a really sweet scene. It's sort of the... Basically, like they don't do it too often, so whenever they they whip out, and this goes for the whole family. So, whenever they whip out, like Alfred referring to Bruce as his son, or mm-hmm. Bruce referring to Alfred as dad, and then here doing it with uh, 
with with Dick and, and Bruce the, on the other end of the mm-hmm. spectrum. It always kind of tugs a little bit because it's kind of it's kind of thing that we all we all refer to them that way. We all think about them that way, but it's not like official terms because they're not actual fathers and sons and grandfathers. Right. But uh, so it's nice when they just come out and say it because it, it makes it feel a bit because it's what we already feel as the audience. So it resonates when they actually come mm-hmm. out and say it eventually. I I saw people pushing back against this, and I don't get that at all. Because I get that you could say that Bruce and Dick have a older brother, younger brother relationship, but for everything else, I mean, Bruce is his mentor and father figure. So I don't understand being upset within this issue where they're both being emotionally vulnerable. That you know, he calls him dad. No, I mean, like, as, as someone who amusingly just watched the animated movie, which was the uh, adaptation of mm-hmm. Batman Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, the comparison I would absolutely make is that Black Man is Splinter, and then the four Robins are the Turtles. Like, yeah. that's the yeah. comparison. He's the father figure. I, you know. Yeah, like, I just, but I, I didn't understand people being upset, because I hadn't read this until last night, because I tried to save Nightwing for close to last. Um, and I saw people being upset with things that had happened, and I don't, most of the time I get when people are upset with this. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. This is good, I, I earnest, get... heartfelt yeah. character progression. This is great. Like, right. I, I, I just... might have nitpicked at like, you know, like the, uh, the the pacing with the, the the splashes earlier on, but all the yeah, character yeah. beats. That's. But I feel like, like people are just on. upset that it's Tom Taylor, and they're you know, there's a bit of hating going on just because. But the whole dynamic. Uh, of, it's, be, oh, um, it's because he made Superman game out. That's why there's like a group of yeah, people who are upset. Maybe, but just nitpicking this of Dick calling him dad in a, an emotionally vulnerable scene. Like, and that's their terminology, by the way. I know he's bisexual. I'm just, I'm saying yeah. what they're yes. saying. Right. I, I didn't even think of that as, as you not, you know, you know, you're summing up their thoughts. That's yeah, why yeah. I, I'm, not clarifying, I'm not clarifying just in yeah. case we get comments, yeah. try to correct me. I'm right. like, no, I'm just, I'm saying what no, people yeah. are saying. No. Yeah. But like, I don't, I don't get that. And it's a lot of the people, these are the same people that also don't like when, when Babs and Dick are in a relationship for whatever reason. And it's just like, well, well, hang on. Yeah. Let's not lump me in with those. No. <laughs> yeah, but let's face it, you, I don't think you were here for this issue, but you probably yeah. like when Nightmate was uh, saying that he shipped Dick with uh, Starfire. I, I think I was here for that issue. Wait, well, okay, never mind then. Uh, I don't yeah, remember. Uh, you're only here for like one yeah. in five ish- episodes right now. I don't remember what one you were here for. I, I think it was here for that it's, one, actually. But yes, It's uh, Doomsday Clock all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Every week's a Doomsday uh, Clock. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but no, just like it, it's not only saying that people are just being upset to be upset, and like again, not loving Connor in because I'm sure Connor can articulate why, you know, and whatever. But every time I see it, it's just people like it's not what they want, so they get upset, and it's just like, well, just it fits the story. Like this is wonderfully told, and the emotions there, and everything is earned. Like every interaction between Bruce and Dick that's led to them, you know being at odds with each other, it's because they're father and son. As someone with a very difficult relationship with his father, I feel their relationship, like, fully. And it feels mm. real, you know? So yeah. it, it just, this this scene landed extremely well. And even though you can, now that you can see it coming a million miles away, that hug and it getting a full page. A whole page that I am. It's, it's a great moment. Because it's not like we haven't seen them hug before, but it's... It's not it's often. This, no, but it's it's... Bruce, it's Bruce coming to terms with like this is my adult son, and I've done things right. Yeah, it's not, it's not about being unpredictable because like I think yeah. if you're into the story, like it has impact. And hell, even that opening page, I was thinking, hey, that kind of looks like a Titan's Tower without the top yeah. part. 
And then obviously the end of the the, the book is yeah. like he's announcing to the world because you know Dix decide to like buy the prison and kind of reform it. The idea being that when someone comes to Bloodhaven, the first thing they're going to see is the Titan's Tower. So it's a symbol of hope rather than right. you know a prison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this Titans team, which started as a group of sidekicks, now has its own legacy. So it's also a symbol of legacy and and becoming your own thing, which is kind of what uh, not your own person, but like Bloodhaven is being transformed. For the better, Ooh, just like get out of Gotham Shadow. Yeah, just just like Nightwing and the Titans have done, right? Yeah. They become their own people. Yeah. So uh, that that might be. Um, there was a, a Titans Tower also in New York, and and that was the whole Titans Academy. And I don't say this to sound you know shitty or whatever, but has a book mattered less in music memory as Titans Academy? Because <laughs> it doesn't feel like anything that happened in this book has had anything in here with, i mean with taylor's nightwing like nothing with the titans you know like it just it's it's funny to me i i guess you know it, obviously the sales for or whatever then they, they know that it, maybe it's not worth like i mean it, it sounds like they let it reach a natural end point and finish mm-hmm. and you know whatever but it feels like they know this is going to be a bigger deal a bigger hit you know maybe this is just yeah. something taylor always, always planned as part of his nightwing yeah. run and uh, I don't know if he's tweeting that he's hinting that maybe there will be a sort of spin-off book that he'll may yeah, well, also uh, be doing. Well, well, I'll do. I'll get the, the tweet here. Basically, someone asked if the Titans are staying in the Nightwing book. He's like, yeah, I love them, but wouldn't it be better for them to have a a separate series? So he sort of silently hinted at that. Okay. And uh, Tom Taylor quoted it saying, uh, "Titans are around for a four-issue arc with Travis Moore, and then uh, Bruno Redondo and I have big things planned." Let's Which go. Which definitely. You know, sounds to me like okay. There, there might be an, a, a Titans book launching after that four issue arc, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, but if this means losing Redondo and Nightwing, I'm gonna be a little sad because I like Redondo's <laughs> Nightwing work. I'm not convinced you know? that means there's another book coming from that wording. T- but I mean, I hope I hope there I, is. I think it's in response to someone asking about them right. in a separate series, mm-hmm. and then you know. And then saying, "Hey, there's big things coming," mm, puts me slightly towards there being a book coming. It sounds more like to me saying you only get them for an arc, and then, but don't worry, there's big things coming that you'll enjoy afterwards. Like, you know, it sounds like a not a make good, but mm. I mean, you would call it Justice League, but basically making the Titans book a Justice League, Titans League, Titans League, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, making that a Taylor Redondo book, I think, is is exciting for me you know so i mean maybe, maybe that's how you separate it into like phase two of his nightwing arc mm-hmm. is you have a new regular artist instead of redondo right. and redondo yeah. was off to do the titans book if that's what's mm-hmm. planned maybe it is maybe it isn't but yeah, yeah. uh so but uh, i don't know but yeah no all, all those emotional moments and um uh the, the stuff too that's after that that's almost like an epilogue uh when he uh, you know they start hitting around the, the tower with him and uh, his sister standing overlooking it with uh, Babs and the dog. I just think that's all some very nice family stuff, too. Because this is now, you know, his Bloodhaven family, for lack of a better term. Yeah, he's got a supporting yeah. cast, which is nice. Yeah, like, um, all in one place, and they're all, you know, with him. So, uh, And then just the, the image of him and Babs holding hands in the silhouette, too. Just really good stuff. Yeah, I'm... Because uh... I would agree, you know, it's, it's, uh, the art changes early on 
um, and maybe the overindulgence with the extra splash pages. Mm-hmm. You know, it hurts the pacing a little bit in that first half. I, I generally like the crisis that they're dealing with, and I do especially like the, the the pairing of Heartless and Zuko, which obviously we don't see what the outcome of that is. You know, it teases that he's you know, he's making the offer. We assume mm-hmm. that there will be a relationship between them, and we'll see what mm-hmm. that what fruit that bears and coming issues. I suspect it'll probably be after the rest of the Titans arc, if I was to guess. Maybe that'll just be its own thing, and then we'll get back yeah. to that. It's why just to, you know, we were talking about in solicits with the trades. This this feels like the ending of a of an arc for a trade for me here. With this, you know, and the next arc with the four issue Titans arc. It could be, yeah. Yeah. Well, and just the way that um, when they defeat KG Beast, right, and then Starfire hands him the the Heartless mask and it says Dick Grayson has more to lose. Yeah. Like that just feels like a tease for the next. Yeah, like Heartless yeah. is clearly like you know this ongoing threat. This yeah. isn't this isn't the Heartless arc, uh, right? Yeah, uh, I don't think I don't know if there will be a singular heartless arc by the end, or if it'll just be he's just ever present. Yeah, yeah, he's constant threat. Like a specter. All of it, yeah. Uh, but it's definitely making it all feel like one big run that's all tied together. And it's you know it's, it's mm-hmm. saying that it's, this has already been twenty two issues plus an annual or two at this point. Yeah, uh, and happily, it doesn't feel like it's you yeah. know ramping up to the end right now, mm-hmm. which is nice. If anything, it feels like it's starting a whole fresh chapter with yeah. this Titan stuff. I, I could buy this as a halfway point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, things are exciting in Nightwing Land, which I guess we call Bloodhaven, but you you know what I mean. Uh, So, Matt, what are you giving Nightwing 100? Um, I'm going to give this. uh, Let's see what I do. I wish he had asked Connor first so I know where to gauge. Uh, (laughs) No, that makes it too easy um, for you. Because the art was was a problem. Um, But I also really liked it. So, I don't know if a 0.5 or a solid number. Right, um, mm. I'll go. I'll go eight point five, but that could be amended depending what Pete Connor says. <laughs> Temporary until I hear what you two have said. Okay, Connor, yeah. what are you giving it? Uh, I'll I'll put Matt's mind at ease because I'm also going to go with an eight point five. I think uh, art changes and you know some pacing in the first half is what brings it down. So obviously all the all the character beats kind of and. Anything that was redondo, especially, would have brought it up to a nine. Um, but I think overall, it just just you know has to lose half a point. Well, as a Dick Grayson mark, like the emotional beat with mm-hmm. him and Bruce really hit. Like it hit me harder than anything the comic has in quite a while. Uh, but I mean, I can't really argue with the you know I, I share all the same complaints with the the, the art changes. So mm-hmm. <sighs> I guess I will agree with the eight point five. Although I was tempted okay. to to. St- I was I was tempted to go nine, but I'm like, am I going too high? I mean, I was. But I'm tempted are... to go nine too. I'm I'm just yeah. being a little objective as much as best I can. Uh, uh, that's with the that's critiques. what I did too. That's why I was waiting to see what you did because if you went nine, I was like, all right, nine, agree. <laughs> You're allowed to have a different rating, man. No, but I do because it was it. The art was a big holdup. Like that's the one negative thing I can I can pull from this book. All right, from this issue, I should say. Well, from one long issue to an even longer issue, Batman, One Bad Day, Bane, issue one, Joshua Wilson writing with Howard Porter on the R. So this has been an interesting series of one-shots, uh, focusing on different Bat-villains. Um, did everyone read it for a start? I suppose you check that. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, okay, just checking. Uh, so this is a story set in a, in a future where mm-hmm. Bane has retired from being a villain and is a pro wrestler who relives his Batman fight with like a a, a, a Batman jobber. 
<laughs> I, I, I kind of love it because that's what wrestlers do, right? They just keep reliving their glory moments. I, I think what I loved about it is I thought he actually broke the guy's back because he was like, I can't yeah. feel my legs. And then the next scene he comes in and says, hey, thanks for letting me you know, be your partner tonight. I'm like, oh, it was a work. Yeah. It was a yeah, work. He, he brother brothered him, you know? <laughs> I got yeah, worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me just say real, real quick, and then I'll let you get onto this. Uh, this might be the first one that I did not like, and I should have liked it. Um, I'm I'm really mixed. I think I I like what it I like it as a story. I like it as an issue. Mm-hmm. I don't like it in the sense of oh look, this is another villain that we're taking and we're making him. Well, I'm not not a villain. I feel like I'm fine I... with that because because for me, Bane is one of those ones that I really came to like because of Gale's it was or Suicide Squad, Gale Secret Six. Ah, same where... difference. Suicide Squad, yeah, by a different name. Is... Yeah, right. this, is, this is even more extreme than what was in that book where this is he's outright almost a good guy I, I th- well i think i'm okay with that part of it connor yeah. just because this is set in a future that you know is after every other story we'll ever get if that makes sense like we're, right in theory we shouldn't get this in like any present day continuity because it's all set afterwards no i don't know if it's set that much later though like i mean he's he's old enough that he's retirement age or whatever that means for Bane, right? That's like um, you know Bane's Dark Knight Returns, like sort of yeah, Thela story. Say, to or, me. The, or you know Marvel has the the end stories, which are supposed to be like the last story. Um, this felt like Bane the end and not one bad day, because there's nothing about this that fits to me with the theme of one bad yeah, day. Honestly, the the one bad day theming feels like it's just went off the rails completely because i feel this is not even the first one where it feels like it's about like batman's having like a really t- like that first one with tom king and riddler mm-hmm. it was like batman was being right. tested with how villainous riddler right. was in that book but most of them since then i feel like i've just been like no they just focus on a villain <laughs> they don't necessarily have to be right but with the but with with the harvey dent one with two-face it was what was a you know the one bad day from harvey and two-face completely merging right mm. um with um Penguin and who else? Is that it so far? Yeah, I think the Catwoman one got delayed because okay. uh, because McKelvey. There right. Is. Um, and then the I Penguin one soon. was what does a what does Penguin look like recovering from one bad day? Did we not have right? freeze as well? We did. Yes. Did we have the freeze one? Yeah. We had freeze. Okay. Um, what was the freeze one about? I read it. <laughs> you do that. There was more stuff with his wife. I'm pretty sure. It was stuff with his wife, but it was I think it was like a slightly different spin on it where it was um It was the uh the, the he was like being really controlling with the uh the wife's friends and stuff like that, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was the idea oh, that, that's like, right, that's right. He was kind of obsessed and not really a great husband that's, and she already wanted right. to leave him. And so he was kinda of like holding on to her and it was the idea that her frozen was almost like a metaphor for him to cling into like the earlier, happier part of his marriage. Right, right. So, kind of thing. so yeah, so with this one, it just, it didn't, for me, it didn't hit any of the one bad day, because what, what is meant to be Bane's one bad day? You know? It's the opposite. He kind of goes good. Right. <laughs> it's a one good right. day. Right. So, well, but I, well, to be fair, actually, his phrasing of it later on is that he thought the day that he broke the bat was this great day, but in right. hindsight, it's actually the worst day of his life, because he really, you know, like, it made him second guess everything he ever down. wanted. Yeah. So I suppose in that sense, it's that's what the one bad day is. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, yeah but it's, um, it's a tenuous I, I, link at best. Yeah, I so just in the theme of that, but then just some of the writing and it just it kind of for me it plotted along, and again I might have been having my own bad day uh, when I had read this, um, and a lot of the stuff just didn't land for me, and it felt just very I don't know 
Um, um, I think I liked it more than you did, Matt, because yeah. I mean, I didn't love it, love it, but I, I thought it read well enough. I thought it, for a book of its, you know, 60, 70 yeah. pages, whatever it is, I thought it went in at a nice pace. Um, mm-hmm. And the flashbacks to kind of like the story of like how, how, you know, Bane says he killed the bat, and it sort of flashes right. back to the story where it was Batman and Bane tracking down all the venom because Bane wants to right. get rid of all of it, and Batman also does too, so they're sort of working together. And Bane in the future has like been told or has been informed of this uh, new place that's making Venom, this drug dealer, effectively, and he wants to go and deal with it. Um, and he goes along with this guy who tried to sell it to him. And uh, you know, by the end, it's the, the, the sort of the, the happy sort of end of the story is that Bane's kind of inspired to take this guy in and try and like make him better. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of the story, which you know is is, is fine. Yeah, Bane, Bane uh, becomes Batman. Well, kind of. I'd say he's maybe more about reforming potential criminals. Uh, he's got a Robin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he has his equivalent of his Robin, yes. Yeah. Um, I will say I did love all the Lucha stuff at the beginning with him. but Well, yeah, but just with the pageantry that goes with Lucha Libre, and it, it really went in on that with Bane, um, calling him the breaker of the bat and, you know, the son of Pentaduro and, the, you know, the son of the dragon, just all these big, long names. Yeah. I think that Williamson really nailed that whole aspect. And then the Lucha part in and of itself was really fun. But once we started getting to the drug, you know, and the Venom stuff and all of that, I don't know. It just kind of, not that it went off the rails. It just, it didn't. I mean, I me, I liked that know. it tied back in again to, uh, you know, Venom, you know, before mm-hmm. Bane, which was like the, the doctor who created it, who ends up right. being the guy who's making it uh, right. in the future. That's kind of the, yeah. the big reveal. And... Uh, you know, he kind of sees Bane as his masterpiece. Like everyone, else, you know, everything else he's done with it. Because he has, there's another big villain here. What's his name? Grudge. It's Grudge, who I think is Williamson created. Because um, I just try to look him up, and I can't find anything. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the uh, yeah. the stuff with the uh, the you know, the the Doctor taking the bait, yeah. uh, taking the venom, and kind of you know, baining yeah. it out for a bit of a fight. It just really reminded me of the end of the. Uh, First Arkham yeah, game nah, with, with Joker. That bit's kind of whatever. I mean, I took it as a moment mm-hmm. of desperation because he's he doesn't want to lose. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I generally liked everything else that was going on. I, I thought yeah. it did a good job of selling that Bane's kind of the sad old man when he goes back to his mm-hmm. big house, and there's a lot of silent pages where he's just kind of yeah. like drinking and kind of lonely. Yeah, he's all this fame that he has for himself. He's still alone. Yeah, and it, it, he's made his own prison, and now he has to escape that prison, which. That's a theme that I do like. It's just a kind of like what Connor was saying about the, you know, not not the video game aspect. I didn't play the game, but just him having to fight a venom monster at the end. You know, it didn't really seem to fit that monster, or that monster that escaping the prison of his own design type thing. You know, because it almost felt like he put himself in that prison because he felt responsible for Batman's death. You know. Yeah, although Bane also no cells getting his back broken because the scientist yeah. guy, when he Bane's out, he breaks Bane's back the way that yep. he did the Batman, and he gets up gets up a couple like, pages yeah, later. Batman did it, it ba- so why not? Yeah, so it, it did make me think of because Bane, and I think that's hilarious. <laughs> right? Oh. That's pretty funny. But yeah, I wanted to like this so much more. I should like it. It's, I feel like Williamson catered it to my interest exactly, but it just, the, the back half of it really didn't land for me. I really enjoyed the first half. You know, yeah. um, but it, um, yeah, it just kind of meanders a bit. So, uh, I don't know if I agree with the meandering per se. I don't think I had that problem. I, I mm-hmm. think you know it, it flows at a nice, solid pace. Uh, Howard Porter's art does sort of work for the uh, kind of the moodiness that it's going for. That's yeah, kind of sadness. the one, 
The one page I didn't like was one of the fight scenes where we get like little tiny thumbnails. No, that one's fair. And yeah, that's a fair complaint. I did not like that because there was way too much going on, and it felt like it was that like was a, a placeholder. He did a version of that in the in the wrestling early on. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the version of the wrestling though was like a two-page layout, and there were so right. even the smallest things were bigger. This page yeah. it was like sort of normal-sized panels, and then they got smaller. And in the middle of the page, they were like right. tiny, tiny, yes. tiny, and yeah. then they started yeah. getting bigger again. So it was kind of like a symmetrical thing on the page. Right. But th those middle panels, you couldn't really see what was in them. They were just still yeah. doodles, yeah. basically. Felt felt like a, a like a placeholder, and he'd ever got back to it. You know, like yeah. I'll do something in here. But but yeah, um, but no, Porter's art's fine. It, it really matches the disproportions that we get with Bane. Like sometimes when artists draw him, he's completely, you know, especially when he's all juiced up. Uh, his his like biceps have biceps, and uh, I feel like Porter's art really really gets in on that aspect. So like when you see all the Venom monsters, like that Grudge creature, um, very gr grotesque in the best way possible. So. Um, and like Pete said, the moodiness that comes with it, like all the stuff in Mexico, I feel like is, is very well. Cause it, it feels like there's a sweatiness to his art. Mm. Right. And so I'm thinking like the, the, um, in, in traffic in Soderbergh's movie, he has that kind of tint over certain scenes that makes it feel grimy. That's what some of these scenes felt. And I think Porter really nailed that. Yeah. Uh, it was to fight Batman again. Because uh, mm -hmm. Batman promised that he would, and he's like, "No, I'm not going to fight you like this." You know, find a new reason to live. Because Bane is basically just ready to die. But that's probably some of my favorite art in the book is probably that entire scene in the uh, the hospital room uh, with Bane in the mm -hmm. bed. Uh, it's very moody the way Batman shows up in the corner of the room. Uh, it's it's got a nice. I think Howard Porter doesn't work with every character, and even at times I think in past Batman stories I've not really think I think he's worked. But I think here it works with the tone of all the story. I think uh, he he excels in points in this in this issue. There's bits that I don't think are amazing, but then uh, obviously this scene uh, just before it, the at the end of the fight where everything's in flames, I think looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a panel with the reflection in the glasses at the bottom yeah. that I think is probably the best looking, just visually speaking, probably the best looking panel in the book. Yeah. Uh, but then you know there are other times where you know. I think he, uh, I think how he struggles with hands, and I don't think, I think especially with Bane's large hands, it shows up yeah. even more as like uh, these just look a bit weird. There's almost maybe like a meta thing going on with this book as well. The idea that, like, whenever you bring up Bane, like his one claim to fame is that he's the guy that beat Batman in the nineties, right. and he always referred back to that one incident. And it's not, mm -hmm. he's not really been allowed to move on. And obviously, like Tom King tried to do like a great big Bane story where he brought him back to prominence and stuff. Like, so it's all so writers have tried, but maybe that's right. the idea that could we start bringing up that he beat Batman once and move on to yeah. do other things with him? Yeah, it, it's he's never he's never topped that. He probably never will. Nah, probably I mean, not. Like I heard from a from a story perspective, like, yeah, from a story perspective, character. yeah. But in, in character wise, he's had some great moments, and again, but most of them came from Gail Simone and Secret Six, you know, where he's playing the straight man to all these characters. But yeah. you know, they're not these big moments. So, because um, he's he is he still currently dead because of the Joker, the, the Joker War. Uh, well, no, because remember we were reading the, uh, you know, the Justin Todd book, the the Task Force Zed. Oh, that's right. That's right. All, that's right. All, all that shenanigans and that's right. Uh, so I don't think I don't think he is. Yeah. Uh, but hey, um, all right. What, what are you giving the book, Connor? I think I'll give it a six point five. I like it. 
mostly, uh, but I don't love it. <laughs> Matt's like, wait a minute, that's like lower than my score, and I was the one who was negative. Uh, Matt, was, Matt was handing out, you know, about to give it an 8 or something. What are you giving it, Matt? I was going to give it a 7. <laughs> i give it a 7, I think. Yeah, I'm giving it a 7, it's just, it's good to have Connor back. In, well, in, well in, I'm giving it a 7 too, it's just that you... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> your descriptions and your ratings, Matt, don't always go hand in hand. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, Matt's, it felt like a 4 or a 5 at best. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wild stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, Rating things is so stupid, especially with Connor's around, because it really... Because me and Pete have been lighting up a lot on stuff. I, I don't think like, on this, mine and Pete's yeah. are that far apart. I think my like, point low are yeah, probably yes, justified with what we said. Yeah, yeah no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the Flash, 791. Jeremy Adams writing, Roger Cruz on the art. This is the second part of the One Minute War, which is our big story of the invading alien force which has slowed down time so only the speedsters are actually kind of aware of it and everyone else is kind of frozen still and uh, this issue is mostly about most of the flash family characters kind of just sort of coming together um and assessing the damage um we kind of predicted correctly that uh jay uh young jay yep. uh would would be affected by this because he's not a speedster in powers so um it seems like he saved everyone by holding a tree in front of them uh, when oh. the shockwave hit, but like he is now, which leads to this funny thing where they're kind of like bringing all the non-speedsters out of the house to keep them safe because they're all just sort yeah. of like sitting or lying there. So you can see them sort of carrying like Mr. Terrific in and stuff. The Mr. And... Terrific part really cracked me up. Yeah, I got a clue of that. Yeah. Yeah, so we get this the sense of scale of this ship that's arrived and all these like alien tanks come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, The kid flashes kind of argue about like that and Jay ends it's, up yeah. grabbing them. I love that Jay has to show up and be the adult in the room, right? Like, mm-hmm. all right, guys, you gotta be quiet because they're. Doing... I also like when uh, when Jesse shows up and points out, which this is something I missed, that that spire is from the Mad Max world, that that we saw when they were running around. Yeah, I did not remember but that. I did not either. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that Barry from the Mad Max world, that that's a world where these, uh, you know, the colony or whatever they're called, has already taken over. Yeah, so that, that was... so yeah, they're not just going through planet to planet in space. Mm-hmm. They're going, you know, right. from multiverse, you know, through the multiverse to different right. worlds. Uh, so that's very interesting, and they they're kind of excited that there's so many speedsters around because they can detect mm-hmm. that there's like X number of speedsters. Like, wait, there's five in the immediate area. What five organic? What do they call them? Five organic. Oh yeah, they can find the word they use for them. So so they even look at the speed force completely different, which I do like. It it gives this this conquering group and uh, the, uh, the, the phrase identity. matt was organic conduit there's five organic conduits. conduits yes yeah uh, which so. the empress will be delighted by if mm-hmm. they can nab them so uh we set up this kind of hierarchy a little bit we see yep. some of the villains um but yeah so there's some empress at the top of this uh regime yeah. whoever they are uh there was a, a name that was used for them here somewhere uh so I thought it was like the colony or something along those it was, lines. Yeah, it was something simple like that. It wasn't like a super yeah. in-depth name. Um, no. But regardless... You keep going, I'll, I'll find it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we see like, you know, Max Mercury takes out one of the alien guys on a speed bike. Because uh, obviously these beings are all unaffected by whatever they're doing to space and time. Uh, other than the speedsters, obviously. But yeah, basically the family all emerge. And the big thing is that it looks like Iris is dead. Now... I, I'm glad that they're treating it with some weight and like Barry refusing to let go of her is all very sweet. Yep. 
it does kind of feel like it's not going to stick though i feel like somehow iris will be alive again at the end of this arc oh yeah that's what it feels like yeah. to me um so they're called the fraction the fraction. that's what it was the, the, fraction. the fraction yeah so but yeah, no, i agree about that but uh with with uh iris just because it feels like they're in between heartbeats right now right like you know um they're they're still moving it you know this uh, through the speed force against these guys and i do feel like it'll be one of those things that the the flash family comes together to solve this you know with, with iris now it's um, worth mentioning there's a reveal at the end for a villain i don't think this is the empress though i got the impression this was like a like a dangerous like high-ranking person in their system but it's not the yeah. it's not their empress but we get the reveal of someone who's coming to hunt the speedsters called Miss Murder, and it's kind of a weird that like there's a little bit of Batman who laughs in the d- design of this character, which is a bit yeah, weird. because they they did talk about that they picked her up amongst their travels. Yeah, uh, so curious to see. I, I I have to say I don't love the design of this character, but it's the only thing I don't like about the issue because yeah. everything else I like, like all the Flash family members sort of coming together. Uh, Wallace and Bart like bickering and being kind of you know trying to one up each other a little bit is kind of entertaining like all that stuff and then just the setting up that again I I love the concept of this entire arc which is you know mm-hmm. this this entity this alien force have frozen time and they're just going to go around and collect everything they want whilst everyone's frozen but the speedsters are the ones the only ones who are like aware of what's going on and can try and stop them that is such a strong concept they're just seeing like the the villains like maneuver their, their their trips and their tanks and they sort of talk about their plans is interesting yeah. right now. I'm just I'm curious like how this is going to play out. So yeah, uh, yeah. really strong concept. So they, they called her the Hunter, right? So it feels like there's a kind of how like Darkseid has the Furies, right? And they send yeah, the Furies yeah. up and the Parademons. This feels along the same line. This yeah. feels like the wild card lieutenant that gets sent mm-hmm. out to like deal yeah. with the tough problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll see. Um, I mean. We don't know much about the fraction and if they are, you know, in the speed force as well. But if they they said they picked her up on the dark world, uh, and now that after you know what we know about the multiverse and all this other yeah, stuff, yeah, I assume that was just one of the uh, dark, yeah, you know, one of the other ones. Yeah, um, yeah, I will say. I mean, I hate the design of this character. It, it's yeah. ridiculous and stupid and bad. But mm-hmm. um, everything the story is doing, I'm really liking. Uh, yes, but that, that's sure. still has a lot of potential to be like. And I say this having enjoyed the run, but this arc could easily be the best arc of the whole run uh, if it mm-hmm. sticks to its potential that's been, yeah, you know, here in these first couple issues. So, uh, and they are solid, you know. Um, you know, Crew's still doing a, a good job. You know, I still don't like him as much as the previous artist, but uh, solid enough. Uh, yeah. Some nice moments with, with the, the various characters. So. Still, still a fan of seeing all these other peripheral Flash family characters like Jesse Quick and Max Mercury. Mm-hmm. You know, get get some shine. There's a so. real embracing of like legacy in a lot of the books right mm-hmm. now at DC, and it's delightful to see, given how yes. much that was like a no-no whilst Didio was still at the helm. Yeah. Well, like again, I feel like a lot of this stuff couldn't happen. I feel like he didn't like the idea of Dick and Wally having their own books, so that's why we didn't get them forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's why that's why Rick Grayson was created, you know, despite people like us. Um, but but yeah, so the fact that both of these you know characters are are in their own books and Nightwing's never been better and the Flash is really strong right now. 
you know, for, for Wally's book. Yeah, I'm taking that stuff as a win. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the book. Uh, mm-hmm. It's weird getting an issue a week after the last issue. And I did check, yeah. actually, after the show. The, the last one was delayed a w- week or two, and that's why they okay. were right next to each other. Because I, gotcha. I knew that felt weird. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> they were back-to-back weeks. Uh, for sure. But, no, having fun with this arc. What are you giving the issue, Matt? Uh, I'm giving this a 7.5. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with that. So, well, I'll, go with, I'll still go with the 8, I think. I'm not going to let the design of that character <laughs> put me down too much. So, 8 out of 10 for me. Alright. Lazarus Planet, Assault on Krypton, Issue 1, and uh, this is actually an anthology book with four stories, so there's a bunch of creatives yep. that we'll, we'll get to as we're going through them. Um, I did not know this was going to be four different stories. I was kind of expecting it to be just one thing that was you know yeah 40 50 pages the uh the most tenuous tie-in to an event i might have ever seen well did you didn't read a lot of the dark crisis ones did you <laughs> well here's the here's the weird thing about this is that uh this to me feels like one of those tie-ins to an event where and we got a couple of them in dark crisis where it's like here's a little mm-hmm. anthology one shot it's about 50 pages but it has like four stories in it and it feels just kind of like uh if you want to bit of extra fluff What's mm-hmm. weird about this is that the main event of this is only two issues. Is the, we had the one issue already, and we'll have the Omega issue, mm-hmm. you know, end of next month. And after reading this, I'm like, how like how relevant are any of these these one shots that are coming out going to be to the actual main thing? <laughs> I, I don't even like dislike all the stories in this, mm-hmm. but they all feel. I, I mean, I guess the very first one with Dreamer is the most relevant. Yeah, yeah, because it mentions fate and the helmet and all yeah. that stuff. The rest of them, one of them's a tease for a, uh, the Superman book, the John Kent stuff mm-hmm. coming up. Then all the action comics back up with Power Girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this is kind of nothing really to do with this Lazarus planet. Well, it's feeling like Lazarus planet is being used as an inciting incident for things going forward. Um, yeah, because go. John having electric powers is a setup yeah. in this. Uh, you know, obviously- it's reminding me a little bit of. Um, you know the Infinite Frontier stuff, yeah. But the but the early not the event itself, but you know we had like the uh, the arc the... explosion issue. You know, like, yeah, it's something like that just really stretched out over like all these different books. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I wasn't very fond of this one shot. Uh, it's not necessarily that all like all of it's necessarily bad. It's just that I found it to be really tedious to get through. And in a week where I had eight other books, <laughs> some of which were, were quite meaty. I was yeah. like, I was being, I was begrudging it, this book as I was reading that. Like, it's I, definitely made me look at the rest of these that are coming up and be like, well, do I need to read any of these? Yeah, yeah. And I'll probably still try some. Like, I'll probably still try the next one. But I did have a feeling as I was reading this, I'm like, like this is making me not want to read any of these. <laughs> Bro, you're you're right in my mind because that's what. They, if this had come out on a week that didn't have Bane and Nightwing 100, right? I'd be like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. But going through and getting to the mercy story and being like, oh, I still have half a book left. I know. Like, oh yeah. Like see when I got to the end of the first story and realized, Oh, it's going to be a, like, you know, four shots. Yeah. I was like, Oh God, there's three more. Like, that yeah. was, that was my, my feeling. Yeah. And again, not that there's anything wrong with most of the stories. Cause I don't feel like they're bad necessarily. It's just, they're just on a week that it, it, I already have a pack. They it, just feel superfluous. It's the same problem I have when we have books like this, which is a bunch of like 10 to you know 12 page stories, some eight page stories even is I always have this feeling of 
few of them actually end up feeling like actual stories. They feel like little snippets to set up something for later. Mm-hmm. And I never really find them enjoyable that much to read on their own. There's the odd exception, you know, there was that one Tom Taylor Supergirl story in that anthology mm-hmm. like four years ago that was really good. But by and large, very few of them end up standing out, and I end up just feeling annoyed that I read them. And yeah. this kind of felt like that to me. So the idea that I've got like seven more of these. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the next one now just to see kind of do I want to? And the next one's the We Were Once Gods. Yeah, okay. I guess um, I kind of want to read that because of the Shazam yeah. relevance. It's got Dan Waters writing. It's got uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, uh, so, Josie Campbell, and it's got uh, Manipal on writing an art. It is, well, so, that's a much okay. better list of creators because the creator okay. list in this is not that like exciting. Well, and also yeah. calling this the Assault on Krypton and then... Right. <laughs> well, all it really means is is that they're mostly super related characters. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Dreamer, it's John Ken, it's Power Girl, and it's Mercy, who's you know one of the villains. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah, all like... it, it's it's just characters related to Superman is what the the umbrella is here. Right, but what got me was the the blurb on on the 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 setup page. Oh yeah, the open it... page that tells you of like the, the story of like. Yeah. Oh, once upon a time in Krypton, there was a volcano. And, and I was like, like what? Yeah. This is and then it was completely irrelevant to anything in the rest yeah. of the Because I was like, oh, we're going to get a story about how this relates to Kal-El and Kara, or yeah. or even... Or uh, even thematically. Girl, right? You know, the idea I, that, I, like... I straight up thought they were going to use Dreamer as a framing device yeah, to show us... me too. Oh, this is what happened on, on Krypton. Yep. Uh, and then, no, no, not at all. None of it, no. 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 Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, so you got Nicole Maines writing the first story, uh, which is the Dreamer story, um, which, you know, fair enough. And you got Skylar Partridge on art. And like, so I think that is the by far the most relevant of, yeah. of these. And, it, and it's also the only... I, I want to say that I didn't even recognize the other writers. Like, I only know who Nicole Maines is because she's the actor from the show. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm forgetting someone obvious, but I, when I was going through it, I didn't remember. Second team, C.S. Packard. I don't really know. Is writing and Scott Goodlewski on art, which Scott Goodlewski I know, but Goodlewski, yeah, yeah, but uh, Picard I don't know. The Mercy story was uh, Frank Bob Barbier. Uh, I know did, that name. He I did fa- some stuff. I've heard recently. of the name. Yeah, and um, Sammy Basri uh, on art, which right. again we've seen pop up on, and honestly on a lot of these shorter stories yeah. in backups and things like that. Yeah. Okay. But and the last one is Leah Williams. Who, who I have read, I've seen. She's done a fair bit of Marvel work. Okay, well, I don't know. And then Margaret Savage. It was just, it was a weird, like, because normally you have at least one of those stories will be a big name, like a big name to comic writer yeah. to readers who are like, okay, you've got your Mark Wade in the first story, and then the other three are, you know, people who were given backups to, to like, you know, test them out, stretch their legs, you know, and yeah, you know, which it seems like they're treating Nicole Maines as the, you know, the, the big name here, which mm-hmm. I guess in the grand scheme of these, she kind of is. Yeah, but not from like a I, like a reading perspective. <laughs> no, no, she's written I, like I, a handful of dream of things at this point. I think it's notable to me that this is the first time I've seen her with a credit without a co-writer. That that's I true. Remember. Yeah, I know that. I appreciate that she has a complete grasp on her character. That like, and so the the stuff to dealing with Dreamer feels feels right. If that makes any sense, right? Some of the other dialogue between some of the other characters I felt was off, but. And that's I feel like someone that's not familiar with writing comics, right? Yeah, I can, that voice. You know, that she's still relatively new at mm-hmm. this. Um, but like once once Dreamer got to the Khalid dream where he's a doctor, 
and you know she pops out of the closet and he starts questioning things he's like no, no you're not you're you're dr fate and he's like uh no i felt like all that stuff really landed really well that, well, yeah. that was that was the fun concept part of it because when once it cause there's a lot of setup to get to that point but once you yeah. get to that point it's like okay this idea that she's went into his dream but he's having like a random dream where he's like a doctor <laughs> like in a hospital and yeah. like there's some jokes to be had with that and then of course naboo like reaches out to her and right. you know she ends up going into whatever but um well know. i like the idea too that uh, that a lord of order is going to reach out to dreamer because of how mm. the powers work and whatever mm. you know but, it's all about fixing things and, and keeping order versus chaos yeah. so but there was a couple you know, of felt- details in it i like but I, I was expecting something a bit more impactful and yeah. the first story is usually the most important one, so this mm-hmm. one feeling like just okay made me feel really down about the rest of the issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and I will say I did not like the John story that much because the voices felt off. You know, um, at least John's voice felt a little bit off compared to what we've been reading in, in Taylor's, you know, book. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, John's story is him with uh, he basically catches this thief who's looting during everything and this guy's stealing there. like nice clothes and stuff yeah. which was which was funny but this guy like, it... a lo- like a lot of people during this lazarus planet crisis is mm-hmm. is randomly been given powers because of the the lazarus a lot of powers in the area so he ends up helping john and john's trying to tell him how to be a hero but he's still kind of nefarious in some ways and you know whatever uh but it, you know, it ends with him like stealing John's cape. But the big thing though is that when he, he first encounters him, that John sort of like his powers conk out, but he has like a sort of an electric yeah. moment. So and obviously yeah. we know we're doing electric Superman with John coming right. up. So yeah. this is the setup for that. The actual story, the interactions he has with this other character though, I didn't really get much out of it. Really, no, no. no. I will it's say just I, like to be continued in. Character- what I think is the Tom Taylor. Yeah, it is. Coming up, so. but, yeah. I suspect I, I'm going to enjoy that more than I did the setup issue. I yeah. really hope so. I, I like the cut of the character's jib, right? Because he's, you know, kind of razzing John this whole time for being a Boy Scout. And where he's like, is it still looting if you're stealing from people that are already stealing? And John's like, yes, it, it's still bad. So, uh, you know, that, that stuff worked. But some of the other, you know, him having volcano powers and John being like, I hate volcanoes. And it reminded me of the sand stuff and you know, Attack of the Clones. You know, it just wasn't there. Well, so that's one yeah. of the worst movies ever made, Matt. So great comparison. I'm, what is that? <laughs> so what it reminded me of. So, oh dear. But the uh, we're we gonna jump to the Mercy story because that what I kind of enjoyed. I, I didn't. It's because it, all it is is Mercy's hand basically. Mm-hmm. She's cause she's got like a cyborg style hand now that can turn into a cannon or like a metal claw, and yeah. that's it. That's her power. Matt just like yeah. the giant little thing. It's probably like, like yeah. her fighting monsters. It's... And only like her her pointing out to Lex, where Lex was like, um, you know, let him let him go. And she's like, well, no, that's that's where all of the servers are that are all your like financial stuff. And I was like, okay, go save it. And you know, I just like the. After the last two or the character interactions were kind of like, eh, you know, this this one was a a, a step up. It just felt like a nothing story to me. And so, oh, did, yeah. and while we're on it, the Power Girl story that comes last, it's her falling through lots of pretty colors for about ten yeah. pages, and then she runs into Omen. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's Savage doing what Savage does, right? Which means it Which looks the, great, looks great. But I almost kind of wish it was almost like a silent story, 
where I could just enjoy the art? Because yeah. I have no idea what was going on. And oh, I, I don't, don't know. So, some of these faces have got like these dead like eyes. There's this like weird like sex doll quality to the eyes where they're just like looking into my soul. Yeah, no, there's a few panels like that where the faces yeah. aren't spawn, but it's oh, the colors and just the the layouts are gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but just like I I forgot what happened to Power Girl in Lazarus Planet uh, Alpha, and I just read that last week. That's not what's not um, happening. It's not happening. Which is it? The one where um, there's a panel where it says likewise. Are you asking me? What? Yeah, is that the panel you're looking at? Uh, oh, that's one of them. Is that one in the page after when they're flying alongside each other? It's uh, Lilith looking at her. Uh, I also think that one looks quite creepy. Yeah. Do you know what she looks like? She looks like Megan from Megan. She looks like she's got the, <laughs> like, I'm going to kill you because I'm a killer doll look in her face. Yeah, but we also get the phrase wing doodle in there, you know? Yeah. Matt, I hate so many things that you choose to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fact that you hate that so much makes me like it so much more so you know that's just for the audio listeners Matt give me a pause there when I said that yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but no but yeah like I, like look we all, we all on my track record with, with recognizing redheaded characters <laughs> I had no idea this was Omen I was like oh what's Ivy doing here and why is she dressed like that and then she goes, uh, I'm Omen, by the way. You're like, oh, yeah, cool. What? Yeah, I mean, uh, amusingly, I actually immediately got that this was Omen, despite my record gotcha. of uh, red-headed yeah. characters possibly being mistaken. <laughs> Which is significantly worse. Yes. Um, but yeah, I I mean, it's just that nothing's like, see these, see these, these books where it's like a bunch of 10 to 12 page stories. Mm-hmm. I just, I end up feeling like they're mostly worthless. Like I very, I find very few of them actually yeah. worthwhile reads because they don't have time to tell a story. Yeah, and then they charge you eight dollars for the pleasure of feeling like it was yep. worthless. Yep. <laughs> well, I had to spend extra money at the shop this week to get a discount, so this helped me put put me over. So honestly, so. what this bit convinced me of is that I can skip all of these one shots. I probably won't skip the next one because that was a good good list yeah. of creators. But I could theoretically skip all of these Don't one we... shots, come back to the Omega issue, yeah. and that'll be fine to read. What about the uh, the four issue mini one? That comes after. That was, that was in the, yeah, that was in the solicits. Well, that's a four issue, yeah. so at least that has a chance of being a story. <laughs> but it's... that also feels like it's cleaning up threads from Wonder Woman, which we haven't been reading because it's Clunan and. Yeah, but it's also Wilson, and it's also dealing yeah. with Shazam stuff. Yeah, depending yeah. if the Shazam stuff's important, like if the, if the Shazam story right. in this next thing feels like it's leading into that, then then I'll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it, may, it, it may be worth reading if, if you're enjoying yeah. that. Had I not got my discount from after buying this book, I would have been a lot more upset. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I cannot recommend yeah. this, and I will say no. that these one-shots are now on notice for me. Like, no. you know, it depends who the creators are, and it depends like how many books I have that week. These will be the first thing that is cut if I am not even like sent, sensing a whiff of talent. <laughs> yeah, My nostrils will be out and sniffing out Quality. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I Pete, Pete said one shots are on site now. <laughs> Matt, what are you rating? Uh, Lazarus uh, Planet Assault uh, on Krypton. I'm giving this a. I'm giving this a six. Generous, Connor. What are you give it? I'm gonna give it a four, but also I am gonna retract a previous statement. This was only five dollars, not eight. But oh. I mean, that's still too much. Still too much. Still help me get my. Still help me get my discount. We're good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree with the four. Yeah. 
That's those. All right, I did. I'm gonna give it a four point five. <laughs> strike, strike the six from the record. No, don't strike it. You give it a six. Yes. You have to live with no. that six. No. Hey, I was able to we, change we, we my. Uh, we can only accept yeah. your first answer. <laughs> Dang it. Motion to go last for now on. <laughs> no, in fact, if I answer, I'm going to go to you first every time, just for the shenanigans well, now of this. I'm the books that I really liked, so now I'm back to over, you know, <laughs> overgrading now. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how many of these Lazarus Planet books I actually read now. But mm-hmm. uh, Batman, Superman, World's Finest issue eleven. Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on art. So. Uh, here we go. It's the uh, now you weren't here for the last issue, Connor, but me and Matt both uh, loved the reveal mm-hmm. at the end of it. I don't know how you felt about the reveal of who David yeah. actually is. Uh, oh, you're such a disappointment. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. Such a disappointment. Uh, you know, with with, with I, I, the I didn't color coming that you off guys of your, would have such a strong reaction to it. I, I was oh, just. We so weren't expecting. It was so unexpected that that page yeah. turned to Magog was just like, oh, Mark yeah. Wade, you sly bastard. Can I point something out right now? That uh-huh. with with Connor's paleness and his red hair and wearing, I don't know what color shirt that is, but it's it a pale pur- blue. Well, it looks purple. You look like the second coming of Alexander Luther. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to point this out, Dev. Yeah. It, it is a it, it is a light blue. Okay. Okay. Maybe maybe a touch lighter than a sky blue. I would say. Okay. Well, you're looking like Alexander Luther, so I'll it's, take it. it's yeah, it's cracking me up. There, there are worse comparisons. Yeah, there are. Um, but no. Um, yeah, I kind of expected Connor not to be a big fan of that. I, I, I'm not like a, I'm not mad at it. I don't I don't no. dislike it. I just wasn't like, but, oh, look at that. That's amazing. Uh, I, I thought I, didn't I thought have it a was particularly a nice... strong reaction either way. I thought. Oh, I, imagine Clint Howard with like a ginger goatee. I feel like that, that's, that's, that's a perfect comparison. That, that's me, but hey, uh, kind of a compliment, because Bryce is, you know, great. That's yes, so. right, it's mean to Clint Howard. I'm sorry, Clint, for <laughs> that insult. Boys, we're back. We don't have this kind of... <laughs> Connor, he... I just want to let you know, Pete doesn't insult me like this. Okay. Uh, world's uh, finest. Um, uh, world's finest. Uh, I really don't like the key. I I just sure? as a, as a character. Um, um, but I feel like we're not supposed to like him, right? I don't. Th- I mean, it doesn't really matter to me too much in this issue because uh, what I enjoyed was like the characters dealing with David's like outburst and like yeah, you know, Superman having that that moment where he's going I, to take his powers away and yeah, not like that at all. Like the idea that he even had that as a plan, I thought was wildly out of character. Well, I feel like it's just. For me, how I'm just finding it as a Superman fan was like that that chamber was there because David couldn't control David couldn't control things. Well, I don't right? think that chamber was there specifically for David. I think that chamber was no. just something that was in the fortress because right. I think you'll remember Superman Two has a similar yes. chamber in it. Well, I, I'm not plot. opposed to the the thing in the fortress existing. Yeah. It just right. it is there. Right? I mean, t- t- well, but Superman has this already. Is is this is the plan? As you know, this was always the backup I mean, plan, and like, I, 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 think... I really don't like that. I think well, it's it's more about the fact that it's it's Batman and Superman's plan. So I, I take this as the cold hard logic of Batman, who like right. is pushing for it, and you know ultimately Superman can't go through with it. You know he's going to do it, and he's like, no, there has to be another way. This is like taking away his natural gifts right, is, is, is is not why I want to do. Um, and you never really get to know if that'll pay off or not because obviously no. he's you know at the end of the issue he's whisked away to another Earth where he meets Gog. 
<laughs> who will raise him to Who's... be Magog. <laughs> right, which is which is you know with everything else that's going on too that we've got with the fourth world. Gog was a god of the third world. Mm. You know, so it plays into that you know Kirby mythology and stuff, which is why Wade's kind of perfect for this kind of story. You know, playing in the meta sense. Um, but yeah, just the the stuff with the key and him, you know, the hypnotizing and having a backdoor key and stuff. And it's just like, he's kind of the silly villain that I'm just like, all right. Hey, not, yeah, not right. This, is, this is an issue of silly villains though, because we get yes. Bag of Bones, Acid Master, Dr. Phoenix, the Abominable Snowman. And, you mean we get a team of red shirt villains. <laughs> and Ferlin Nixley and yeah. his Devil's Harp, which is a devil's yep. head with a harp between the horns. Yep. Um, <laughs> that guy, the guy that looks like Pan with the Devil's Harp, I want more of him like Pete wants more of Cold Snap. Um... Please. We got we got new ice villains here though. So yeah, yeah, Astro, yeah. I, I do think Acid Master's a, a great name though. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Acid Master sounds like someone that's going up against hippies, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if you if you if you slap like a radioactive symbol on their chest, like I wouldn't think that. I would okay. think no, he's he's going to spray like acid at people. Yeah. Two faces, um, worst nightmare. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, he's um, a new villain, but Two Face takes like a personal like offense to it. He's like, no, wait yeah. a minute, no, this is having this. This is exactly what he's like. He's like, I'm not murdering anybody anymore. I'm turning a new leaf. Asbest shows up. He's like, after this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you just no, describe just... the current detective comics plot? <laughs> kind of, uh, just a little bit. Um, maybe that's where I was inspired from. But no, the the stuff with David at the end is he's fading and getting into the ship and talking with Superman and Batman. That that is some prime, you know, Wade and more outworking perfectly yeah. together. I mean, I'll tell you why I really liked this issue. I like that you know Batman's not there for a good while, so it's Superman and Robin who are like dealing yeah. with the fact that the key's releasing things in the fortress and mm-hmm. stuff. I really like this. This it was just kind of a natural vibe to the conversation, the way they were talking to each other, where it was like, okay, David's kind of this new guy who's kind of untrustworthy, you know, to actually take responsibility. But the way Superman talks to Robin, it's like, no, no, you're the one here who I trust to actually help me with the... the, the I don't know, it felt like this sort of, like... Oh, it almost tied in really well with what was going on in Nightwing this week, where it's like, even at this stage, like, Superman already has this relationship with Dick Grayson and trusts him as kind of the, the senior pupil, as it were. Um, and seeing them work together as, like, this pair uh, in the mm-hmm. fortress against all these threats was kind of a nice dynamic, I thought. Um, yeah. So I, just, I really like that. And then I, I did like the ending with uh, David like fading away because, you know, the key did something to the, right. the ship he came in, which was making him like, you know, vibrate out of this multiverse and into another. Yeah. Uh, I liked all that and like them try to give him like words of like encouragement before he goes, just to hope that wherever yeah. he goes, he's not going to turn into a darker character by surroundings. <laughs> and of course we see that, you know, right. well, that was a bit futile, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's off to go gain armor and pouches. It would not surprise me though if we get a Magog story set in present day, either mm-hmm. in this book or down the line from Wade, where he plays on yep. this idea that, that Magog has this history with Superman yeah. and the others from his teen right. years that might make him up. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind mean... of a like a like an addendum to Kingdom kind of themes, but now, not in the future, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I would expect it if it does happen, probably somewhere in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably mostly. I'm just thinking in case they never do a time jump, you know, maybe they'll, mm. you know, do it. will do it somewhere else. But uh, I really don't know. Uh, I just I suspect it'll probably happen in some capacity. But uh, you know, obviously the art from Mora's 
fantastic yeah. throughout. Uh, Batman's he made entrance. a devil harp look cool. <laughs> yeah, Gamora's but, the guy. Batman's entrance looks great. Uh, Superman and Robin look fantastic. It, it does a neat job of like making the colors pop. Like because obviously they're in the fortress a lot of the issues. So there's a lot of like sort of like pale blue and white ice. So when you see like the green of Robin's colors like clash against it, you know it, everything really sticks out. Uh, very vibrant as as the colors have been throughout on this book. Uh, it was Bond villain I think on the colors. What I say? So, uh, I don't know without checking, but I mean, it looks like it could be. Yeah. Uh, even that full page spread of all the all these like C list, maybe that's generous. Uh, D list <laughs> villains. It is out. Bond villain, yeah. 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 I mean, the you know they have a history of working with Dan Mora, so it makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's good stuff. Um, yeah. I I find like even if like the you know, way they'll do like weird Silver Age style stories at times that don't always necessarily completely vibe with me, but I feel like it, they're always very easy to read. Like, it just has like a way around yeah. the characters that just works. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, oh, I dug the well, issue. I feel like he, he really understands all the DC characters, right? Like, which is why I'm glad he's back at DC. Yeah. Which, I mean, but I say that, but I feel like that's just him as a writer because I also love his Daredevil a whole lot. He's, uh, so. yeah, apparently next time we're getting, uh, Superboy and Robin on a date from hell, is what it says. Uh, mm-hmm. so, now that this is more firmly established into it's supposed to be in continuity, I'm curious to see what mm-hmm. he does with that. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Well, uh, have some fun with it. Yeah, I just want to say, I think you meant Supergirl and Robin. Yeah. What did I say? Superboy and Robin. I yeah, was... I meant Supergirl, yes. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, a slip. But Connor, I was going to let the corrections come. Yeah, so. Supergirl, yeah. Well, they already set yeah. it up because they had that bickering back in the first arc that yeah, sounded like bickering they were... back in the first arc. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's fun to be had. Uh, it's also funny that the issue starts with Batman checking if Joker's alive. He's like, oh, he's alive. Uh, yeah. You know, not that I was, like, written for either way, <laughs> but... Yeah. yeah. He just states it as a fact. Yes. He is alive. Yes. Yeah. And then sighs. Get, get him to uh, Gotham General to, yeah. to patch him up. Uh, imagine being the doctor's... As Arkham, whatever Arkham it says. Medical Bay. Yeah. I'm not looking at the, the page, but yeah, I just imagine being the doctors patching up the Joker, like they're just looking around each other in the surgery yeah, room, just oops. going like, uh, "Do we just, you know, slip and say, yeah, mm-hmm. accident happened?" That, that, that's exactly why doctors take take a Hippocratic oath, just just so they can't just do that when it's the Joker. I feel like if someone was as bad as the Joker, though, like even that would be tested. Who's, who's requesting the medical inquest of the Joker's autopsy, though? Oh, that's right. Every, everyone up the chain's like, oh, yeah. that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> Accidents happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Okay. What are you giving uh, World's Finest, Matt? I mean, it was an eight. Connor? I'll give it a seven. That's pretty good. I'll agree with the eight out of ten. Uh, so, uh, solid fun stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, where are we in this list? <laughs> The new champion of Shazam, issue four. Josie Campbell writing with Doc Shinner on art. This is the final issue of this miniseries. So we get our, our conclusion. And Mary goes off to the college. Uh, now we know that the professor is the villain, although we get a reveal as to who she really is later <laughs> in the issue. Yeah, let, let, let's, slow, let's slow build to that. Yeah. Uh, so she tells the rest of them to sort of stay back and that she's going to go and save the day and goes to the college and the the professor's like talking over the the, the radio system and yeah, taunting okay. her 
Basically, she wants to recruit her, but she sends her alligators after her. <laughs> we got all these. <laughs> yeah. We got so, and I just, I love also what, what Josie Campbell's saying about technology here mm. is that, you know, like, when, when we start to get to, you know, the villain and their plan is they found out that they can use phones as a receptacle and a battery for magic. And that through that, they, it can corrupt. So it's almost like this thing that connects us can also corrupt us. Yeah, and it's also and it, draining that power. Like, it basically right. explains that every every person has at least a little bit of magical energy magic. in them. They just don't know how to harness it. So right. all the homeless people, and then also, obviously, uh, Mary's adoptive parents, that right. they've been captured. They're basically all just, like, tied to, like, uh, beds or posts, and they're being mm-hmm. drained of this magical energy to funnel the villains that it, are going around with the, the phone strapped to their chest. With the phone strapped to right. But uh, what I was going to say, too, is, like, but that's also kind of like the force of Shazam that we've seen, right? That it, it can connect all of them like it has with mm. the family, but it's also can corrupt like it did with Black Adam. So just on this tiered structure, you know, I just like what Campbell's, you know, doing here. Um, and yeah. 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 And Shaner's are as well. Obviously, like, I it was love... always the selling point of the book to begin with when it was right yeah. back when it was announced. Which, yeah, I mean, I, I actually originally was announced as a writer as well. Right? Yeah, right? I actually think like I didn't really know Josie Campbell. I actually th- this has made me a fan. Like this has made me mm-hmm. want to read more Josie Campbell because I think yeah. it's actually yeah. a really solidly written book. Um, but you know, so she sends out her three hench students that have got the right. phone strapped the to their chest. Yeah, the TAs we'll call them, uh, and they have this big fight in the baseball field. Um, do you know it. what? There's something, and this is why we need more Shazam books. There's mm-hmm. something so satisfying about when they say the word in the middle of a fight, either to turn into yep. Shazam or turn out of Shazam. Yep. But when it's used effectively, it's such a great moment. So this idea that she uses it to, like, you know, strike them with lightning to, like, you know, to break the circuit so they all fry. Yep. Uh, not to kill yeah, them. As she's explaining but, to them, yeah. right? Like, hey, like, I might not be the teacher's assistant or anything, but I do understand uh, electronics that if you overload the circuit, the whole thing fails. And then she hits it with the... And then she... You know, goes to save the day as Mary, not yeah. as Mary Marvel. I, I love that you panel know? though, because with the lightning bolt going through her, where she's already mm-hmm. turned back into Mary, so she's sort of falling and out. She's of dropping. The, yeah, yeah, like I just think it's a really cool visual. That's this because mm-hmm. normally it's the other way around. Because you want the big splash page of she says yep. Shazam, and then oh, then she's you know now she's right. Shazam. Like you right. want that big. This is the the flip of it, where right. turning into the human version is what's saving the day, kind of thing. There's, there's a nice mm-hmm. bit of message in there. Yep. Uh, but so yeah, who really saves the day? Go on, the rabbit. The rabbit does Hoppy help. Hoppy does. Hoppy, Hoppy yeah. does save the day. Hoppy does help. Yeah. Um, but we find out that uh, the teacher here, her real name is Dr. Doctor. Georgia Savannah. Of course. And this is... That, <laughs> that reveal page and what Shaner does with the glasses to make her look like Dr. Savannah. Yeah. I, I love it. It's Although, I, I do like, though, that she doesn't like her dad. Like, she, no. she's trying to one-up him, basically. Yeah. Is that you know he freed all this you know the seven deadly sins it, you know he he looked at magic like it's a silly thing but I'm gonna fuse science and magic and you know um, that's a great that's a great twist on the savannas right yeah it's also kind of nice that like it means that Mary has a villain that's a bit more tied mm-hmm. to her specifically um, yeah. it's maybe obviously it's a, it's a bit easy to see how the the female version can be her villain but. This was an interesting little swerve that felt a little bit different. But yeah, uh, there is there is a difference there. It's not just the female version of Savannah, it's a different version. And it's interesting, she's got a similar, if twisted, version of the same motivation that Mary has here in that. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, yeah. You know, living up to a legacy, but also wants right? to be her own thing. And, you know, you know, there's that yeah. parallel there. 
Yeah, yeah. If anything, it dips into that idea of the villains, kind of like the hero, just like a yeah. an evil version of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot about that going on. Uh, yeah, she's got three phones strapped to her chest, and she's yeah. about to go super and fight Mary. Which again, we get a great transition into you know Mary Shazam uh, yeah. with the, the 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 lightning around her hand at first, and then her feet, mm-hmm. and then her entire like you know body's just glowing gold, and then you get you know the full Shazam lightning bolt where she's still yellow. Like she's still mm-hmm. the same color as the lightning. The color's not settled yet, so it's it's like your mid flash of light, uh, yeah. but you still see her through it. So it, it's a phenomenal pit. The art is gorgeous uh, throughout, uh, and the lightning strikes, uh, you know, Savannah, uh, Georgia for Savannah through the through the chest. So really good stuff. Um, uh, then the rabbit and you know Darla's there. That's the other thing. Darla snuck off to try and help. So that that raised the stakes because now the little mm-hmm. kid's also in danger. Uh, so yeah, really good stuff. Uh, so Mary has to lift up because because the, the, the the entire campus is starting to crumble because of all the fighting and lightning bolts and whatnot. So Mary has to lift up the lift up the whole thing. You get your big uh, sort of heroic moment. She, literally putting everything on her shoulders. Also, yeah, there's that full page uh, spread of her holding up uh, one of the beams. She's mm-hmm. helping someone up in costume, and that's when Darla's telling everyone, "No, she's not called Miss This she, or right. you know that." Um, she she and I love how it cuts it off because. Call her Miss Marvel might be a copyright problem or a trademark yeah. problem. <laughs> so, uh, no, she's Shazam, and that sets up that. So, uh, yeah. So, she, the, the book ends with her going off to try and, um, uh, you know, she, she hears a call, effectively, coming mm-hmm. um, and wants to go and uh, figure out what's going on. She looks up in the sky, and it looks like it might be, you know, Billy is Shazam in the sky. I actually thought they might swerve us here, and it may be Black Adam outside. Uh, that's what I thought con- considering in where we left him off on uh, Dark Crisis right yeah um, kind of as this guy that wants to help the new generation um, but yeah but then we, we you know we get the green rain and, and whatever and we're like, oh yeah the rock yeah yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I mean the last two pages are basically more about setting up where the, the next Shazam story is going to be rather yep. than being an ending to this but you know it's, it's, I'm, I'm curious enough to want to check it out and I really enjoyed this that I do want more Shazam so uh, Which means I guess you'll read in the uh, the Last of Us Planet one shot next week. Yeah, but well, I read any after that. <laughs> yeah, that's the real well, question. And, and here's the thing too: is like Shazam's been gone for so long, and I like Josie Campbell so much that I would not be adverse to, you know, Mary as Shazam going forward. Oh, for a long time, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think like, it's going to happen. I think I think we're going to be no. back to Billy within you know, yeah, a matter just, of months. But you know. I, I've always liked the Mary character more than Billy. Um, and that was just something as I was reading comics, there was, you know, plenty of, of Mary Marvel stuff going around. So, uh, so to see her come into her own on here. Yeah. I mean, we've had Campbell these pockets of Shazam over the last few years, but uh, maybe, maybe Shazam can't really just mm-hmm. sustain an ongoing anymore, but I don't, I right? don't think, yeah, I don't think Shazam can has you can barely sustain the, the Jeff Johns one. Right. Yeah. Obviously that had its own problems mm-hmm. with all the delays probably didn't help. Right. But I, I could see, like, sequels to this. I could see other four yeah. issue minis that are sequels, perhaps. Like, uh, that's what mm-hmm. I'd hope for, is give us some more yeah. of these. Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, I'm even fine for, you know, team books where Mary shows up as the Shazam delegation or whatever. You know? Like, her just taking that mantle and letting Billy be off to the side for a little bit. Yeah. You know? 
But I mean, yeah. honestly, though, this was a, a joy to read this for issue mm-hmm. mini, and it's put a different writer on my map, which is always nice because yeah. it's one thing into a book where you know you like the writer already. You know, it's nice when you discover a new one that you like because oh, it's another name to add to the roster that I can be excited about when their yeah. name pops yeah. up on something. I, I remember Tamaki was like that with us early on, mm-hmm. and I think oh, yeah, it was with, uh, through being super. It was being super. Was another. Yeah. It was uh, that was also a four issue. Well, maybe not. No, it was four issues. That was a four issue book. Yeah. 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 I think they might uh, have been oversized issues though. Yeah, I think they were, but you know that that's something where she obviously she went over to Marvel for a bit, but then she ended up being mm-hmm. this run of Detective, this you know run of uh, Wonder Woman or what it says as well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and I look forward to what Tamaki does next. Hopefully, she gets something soon because obviously she's yeah. not really on anything right now. Well, and and so far when I go to you know look at what else Josie Campbell's worked on, it's Wonder Woman seven nine seven and seven nine eight, um, which looks like those are coming up. Oh, and then okay. from there, it's just the Green Lantern Future State special and then new champion Shazam. So hopefully we get a lot uh, yeah. of Josie Campbell at DC. I would I would forward. be down for more of her, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right, what are we giving a new champion Shazam, Matt? I'm giving this a nine. Ooh, Connor? Um, I'm going to give it an eight, which sounds harsh in comparison after that nine, but like, no. I, I thought it was a, a really great ending to the, the mini. I really enjoyed it. I have mm-hmm. nothing major to complain about. I just thought it, it didn't quite go over the top and wow me. I'm going to split the difference and go 8.5. Yeah. Uh, so, very good, very good. Uh, there you go. Uh, Stargirl, The Lost Children, issue three, Jeff Johns writing with Todd Nuck on the art. Uh, so we're on the Orphan Island uh, from the mm-hmm. last issue. Uh, Red Arrow was taken and has been imprisoned. By an egg. By an egg, I forgot yes. about the egg for a hot second until they reminded us. <laughs> yes, the uh, robotic egg that came and kidnapped her. Uh, but more importantly, we're, you know, we're teased about who the... Uh, well, we're teased about two things. So we're teased about yes. the childminder, who's the one who's actually in control on the island, but it also keeps teasing something we've not seen yet, which is like the... Uh, I don't know. Foster father. The foster father, yeah. The, the person who's actually really behind all this. So... Yeah. That's something for next issue, which they're teasing. But we get, we do get to see what the the childminder looks like, and she is like weirdly nightmare fuel. Uh, from from a Grimm's fairy tale first draft. She's she's got like she, she's got like you know the raptor feet, and she's yep. got like a, a mask that's a little bit jokery, and that it's like white with the red lips. But then she's also got feathers behind her head, and yep. like it's, it's it's very monstrous. It's very, <laughs> is all I can very... say. <laughs> There's there's something about Johns and these characters because Crib in Green Lantern was introduced in a similar way, mm. and you know Crib's just basically like an old hag though. This was a new level, and especially someone that doesn't like birds and has a bird phobia. Um, <laughs> her being very bird like, do not like. It added an extra level for me. So that's funny, Amy. Um, bird phobia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. So obviously, Star Girls with the the team of characters she ran into, uh, Wing, mm-hmm. Airwave, Cherry Bomb. And uh, Robbie the, the robot dog. Uh, thank you for all the character uh, captions on that first page, yes. uh, Jeff. I appreciate that. <laughs> so they basically find out that there is like a barrier to because uh, Stargirl tries to fly away, and it's yep. kind of like the island and lost. There's a barrier; you can't just fly away. She mm-hmm. finds that out the hard way, um, and they have to kind of like catch her when she comes down. But she's taken to their sort of lair, and it turns out there's a ton of like sidekick superheroes that have been like left here. And, you know, if I have a complaint about the issue is that they're kind of fun to learn about these characters, but there is, like, a lot in the middle of the issue is just introducing us to a lot of characters. Yeah, in uh, case you didn't read all the, the captions in that special that came out months ago. Yeah, yeah, here yeah. Here we go again. 
Yeah, so you get a bunch of these, uh, but it's all charming enough. Uh, but the big thing, though, is that at the end of this, these introductions, um, Corky Baxter, the Time Master, shows up, and he's like sort of like because there's a couple of like lines from Star Girl uh-huh. where she mentions, um, or she she's saying something about herself, and yeah. then she's like Pat, uh, like Pat's like you know stepdaughter or whatever, and someone's like. Yeah, but he's like Stripesy. He's too young to have right. a stepdaughter. So there's a lot of little, little things where they're picking up on that. Uh, wait, yeah. what's going on here? And then someone says you're from the future, and then we're interested to Corky, and it's like, wait a minute, he was in obviously Flashpoint Paradox, right. and mm-hmm. you know he's aware that she's from the future, or maybe not so much that it's from she's from the future. He's familiar with with time dilation. Yeah. This island clearly is moving slower yeah. in time than it, the rest of the world, and well. And I like that they introduce that he's there because he's Rip Hunter's kid type. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting that he's here and how this is to play tie into the overall mm-hmm. stuff that Johns is doing. What I think is interesting, though, is like when Stargirl and Red Arrow get back, has there been a bit more time pass than they're expecting? Right. You know, or is it going to be one of those things where when they bust out of here, you know, four seconds has passed, you know, and, and time. Oh, no, sure. Time moved for them. It would be the opposite, though, given the way that everything else has moved with these characters still being kids. Because if anything, what I'd expect to happen is they'd get off this island, even though they're only there for a couple of days, and it would turn out that a year's passed in the real world. Mm. I, I could totally see that happening. And then, obviously, Maybe. Courtney's parents are going to be like, oh, where were you? We thought yeah. you'd been you know, lost forever, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that would Long not surprise me. Asked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she stuck out on this, right, too? Because she was supposed to be in trouble. Oh, yeah, she stuck out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Uh, so, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. They mention, of course, uh, you know, they, they tease uh, uh, Jay's daughter, and of course, the end of the issue is that he's in the cell next door. You know, Red Arrow tries to escape. Uh, Childminder can make her forget the last five minutes or five hours, depending on what she yeah. wants to do. And the voice next door is who's talking to her explains that, and then the last page reveal is that our cellmate, uh, or the cell next door, I should say, mm-hmm. is Judy Garrick. Uh, who is the boom? <laughs> That's what her name is. Well, but I like how they explained it. John's is like, you know, my dad's Jay Garrick. He's the flash of the lightning. And I'm the boom that follows. Um, I wasn't complaining so I, about the name. I thought the name was cool. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying I like that they explain it like in that way. And it, it it's a very golden age way of introducing the character. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I like that a lot. It's a cute detail. Um, and... Yeah, and she's like, you know, she's going to be key to maybe getting out of here. But we see that she's in chains and she's actually powering something. Like she's on a treadmill uh, and it's like it powering like... all this stuff around the room. So clearly yeah. she's she's probably powering the island or maybe she's powering the uh, the time the bubble effect. That's yeah, yeah, it's something like that, yeah. It, so, it's not quite a cosmic treadmill, but it's along the same lines. Yeah. Um, uh, it she's, looks like... she's the hamster on the hamster wheel powering the mm-hmm. island or something, yeah. So... Yeah, so. Yeah, no, I had a good time with this issue. Maybe there's like yeah. a little bit too many too characters that are being explained in the middle of the issue. But yeah. I will say, despite that fact, it moves surprisingly quick despite yeah. that. Because yeah. I, if I described that to you, you'd probably think, oh, the middle of the issue must be a slog. It actually moves still mm-hmm. quite a nice broad pace. Uh, yeah. The early stuff is fun, uh, but I really like the, the, the Emmy stuff. Like Emmy like, being kind of, you know, trying to like one-up her yes. captor. And like yeah, failing was, is is fun, so I enjoyed that. It was positively creepy. Um, and the childminder. I'm looking so. forward to all the sidekicks finding out that the real world has moved beyond mm-hmm. them. Like you know, oh, like all the heroes that you were sidekicks for, they're all dead. Most of them. So who's <laughs> who's wings? Who is wing the sidekick for? 
Do we oh, remember? Is the Crimson? Is the Crimson Avenger? I can't remember, but that sounds possible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call my shot now. I'm not who the Foster Father is, because they they play up that Wing was like the first. Like uh, that's that's John's doing the Seven Soldiers. You know, time timey wimey, and that Wing was the first of the sidekicks and made the legacy happen. Um, and that they made a big deal. I can't. I can. I read these too close, but you know, John Star Girl and then the Star Girl uh, Spring Break special. We're making a big deal about the Crimson Adventure Avenger also being a villain. Like something had happened that made him also and they kind of put it on wing. As much right? as I was saying maybe they'll come out in like a year's past or something like that. Right. Uh alternatively what could happen is that when they all leave the island, they all go back to their own times, so there'll be like no time has passed. Yeah. So what it'll do is it'll actually rewrite history where these characters were never lost. Right. They'll never lost and they've always been there. Yeah. So yeah. that, that, that um, could be what it does instead. Yeah. But um but yeah, the, just the stuff with Wing and the Crimson Avenger and that, you know, him him being lost led to some weird stuff that happened with Crimson Avenger, if I remember my history right, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm digging we'll the, the, the many. I think this is just John's mm-hmm. playing with his own corner of DC, the DC Universe right now yep. and having fun with all these characters. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, and we've had three issues of this versus only one of GSA, so I've got more of an opinion on this versus that right mm-hmm. now. Uh, yep. So, yeah. So cool. Uh, what are you giving... Yep. Uh, um, Star Girl and the Lost Children issue three. How many was an eight? Yeah, I'll agree with it. Had a good time. Uh, so, uh, good stuff. Um, all right, we have Monkey Prince issue ten. Uh, Jean Lin Yang writing with Bernard Chang mm-hmm. on the art. Matt, you're on your own for this one. Yeah. So, um, it was built as a Lazarus Planet tie-in, which kind of is, but not really. Um. Because it just continues Marcus's story, um, and then at the very end, it ties into some Lazarus Planet shenanigans. Um, but in a an earlier issue, I can't remember if it was in the Lazarus Planet. It was. It was in the Lazarus Planet Alpha, uh, in that Monkey Print story. Shifu um, had sent a clone of himself, um, and he had told uh, Marcus at a point that he'll learn how to do that. You know, the Monkey King could do that, and in this issue, we find out that um, Marcus is able to clone himself through his hair. Uh, and after a showdown, you know, him and, and Supergirl get shot by the uh, Ultra Humanite, um, and he ends up getting cut in half, right? But we know that's a thing that Monkey Prince can do. Um, she's horrified by it. Um, and in, in a full bravado and not paying attention, Monkey Prince reassembles himself backwards. So his tail's in his front now, and his legs are racing backwards. Um, but then Supergirl's able to stop Monkey Prince, but at, or Monkey Prince, stop Ultra Humanite. Um, but as her and Monkey Prince are saving the day, this green rain starts coming down. Um, and it starts making Monkey Prince itch. Kara loses her powers. Um, and... Um, uh, she when she goes back to Metropolis, she ends up running into like his friends who are being um, changed by the Lazarus Reign. Um, Marcus starts to put together that Grandpa might be the Ultra Humanite um, because when he you know when he gets back in there and tries to make up a story while he was gone, um, his uh, his dad is you know telling him he's like oh Grandpa will be right back. He looks over. And sees his grandpa with it hooked into this machine. 
And it's like, oh, you know, she'd have, you know, Supergirl destroyed my other body, which makes Marcus start wondering things. Um, Marcus ends up creating a a tiny kind of what's that called? Like the anime, it's like a mini anime thing. It's like a chibi. I think chibi's the char- the yeah, like the the okay. old kid drawing ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he his clone that comes out of his hair because as he's scratching himself in the shower, a piece of hair pulls out and it makes a small chibi version of Monkey Prince, um, which starts to freak him out. Um, his friend from Gotham calls. He tries to, you know, I'm sorry I haven't talked to you. I've had a lot going on. And she's like, well, yeah, I can tell. I just wanted to make sure you're okay because what's going on in Metropolis. And that's where he sees one of his friends who's been transformed in like a thing about Medusa, but with more snakes as hair. Or Medusa with the snakes as the hair, but with a snake face, right? Um, it's one of his friends from, from class um, just beating the piss out of Supergirl. He shows up, tries to flirt with her some more. She realizes that when she's not in the rain, her powers come back. So they start to make the um, connection that it's the Lazarus rain that's doing all this. And then to distract the the snake-headed dude, he starts making more of these chibi clones of himself, where then he's able to get his his stick from his ear and, and beat him. Um, and then... Uh, when, you know, him and Supergirl save the day, he takes her up above the, the rain on his floating cloud um, so that she can get her powers back out of the rain. Um, there's a a, uh, a piece of the rainwater that his grandpa, the ultra-humanite, is looking at uh, because that he found out that the rain had fixed his, his gun that he was firing at Supergirl that Supergirl and Monkey Prince had, had broken. So he wanted to get a sample of the rain, and um, when the rain lands on this this piece of specimen that uh, he's working on, it regenerates, and this is where uh, he goes. Well, this is what I've been looking for. I can finally repair my Phantom Zone projector, and then free the ancient monkey god from the Phantom Zone prison. Um, and so, this is Yang hinting at the reason that Monkey King is gone is that he had gotten trapped. He turned evil and had, you know, got put in the Phantom Zone. By who, I'm not sure, because I'm not big on the Monkey King, um, you know, from whatever he's pulling from. I'm not big on that story. But, so, um, Monkey Prince and Supergirl go to the Hall of Justice, um, where he, you know, this is where he gets recruited to start the Lazarus Planet stuff. So, Cy- Cyborg... Blue Beetle, Mary Marvel, Blue Devil, Zatanna, and Power Girl. Um, and, and that's where it ends. So, um, kind of don't like that his, you know, Marcus' story is being co-opted by Lazarus Planet, but I guess when Mark Wade wants to use Monkey Prince, you know, kind of what happens. So, but we're getting towards the end here. I think this is 10 of 12. So, um, and the next part, that I guess, is going to tie into Lazarus Planet fully. So... Yeah, no, it's 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 a fine issue. Um, I like that Yang keeps going back, uh, and he wrote. Connor, did you read the Monkey Prince part of the story of Alpha? No, that was okay. after the main issue. As a backup, yeah, 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 yeah I didn't bother. No, okay. So I do like that because Yang wrote that. I do like that he is at least trying to tie Monkey Prince into the Devil Nazar stuff through this, and and now having the Monkey King be, you know you know, put away 
into the Phantom Zone, and that's where he's been because of you know uh, that's because of whatever had happened after Darkseid had attacked their their realm and whatever. Um, and I like that it is going to you know have some answers to where Marcus exactly came from because now the fact that in the last issue Ultra Humanite wanted to put Marcus's mom into a new body, but the dad won't let him. He wants him to fix her. You know, it, like was Marcus created in the lab? And this is why you know he is. He's basically a, a clone of a clone. Maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, I like that Yang's you know working with Wade to finish telling the story which is nice but yeah so i'll give this a 7.5 okay cool uh that'll take us on to batgirls issue 14 which i did not mention earlier because i forgot to put it in the list but i knew my i knew my numbers were adding up i knew there was one more book i read yes <laughs> so you don't like to hear this one extra book <laughs> mentioned earlier but yeah so this is becky clinton and michael w conrad writing with jonathan case on the story uh, did you read this, Matt? I did not. No. But I, I barely could finish the Lazarus Planet, which now I wish I would, would have had time to read this. Yeah, well, you're going, to, the Lazarus Planet. you're going to wish you had read this instead, because this is an uh, all-silent cast issue. Uh, <laughs> hey, that sounds good. Uh, so, last issue, Cass and Steph like, reverted back to their own bodies, but Cass, when she was in Steph's body, you know, knew she'd been kidnapped by Cluemaster. And was out in this cabin. This issue is Cass sort of looking for like a trail to get to that cabin, um, and it's all silent. The the only text you ever read is that you know that cop that's kind of working with the Batgirls like lets her see a police report uh, of the Clue Master's death, uh, and she sort of slaps the fail at him and she's her way out. Uh, the art is gorgeous. I don't know who Jonathan K says. I've never heard of him before from my memory, uh, but the art is like you know, it's like a lot of like Cass and silhouette with lots of just yellows and purples making up the colors behind her. Uh, really, really nice stuff. Uh, really into it. Uh, but Lady Shiva's also in here, and she ends up kind of, like, helping Cass out without Cass realizing it at first. Uh, in fact, goes so far that we get this big, great big fight scene on uh, a bridge where Cass is, like, running down the top of the, the, the you know, the, you know, a, a big suspension bridge. And mm-hmm. she's running across the top of it and, like, beating up these, uh, these bad guys. And at one point, Lady Shiva, uh, legitimately cuts off uh, a dude's legs <laughs> and Cass sort of looks up at Shiva and Shiva just gives her a wave and there's just you know, this angry face of Cass behind the art uh, it's really good stuff but basically she's trying to figure out where you know there's a clue to where this these cabins were that uh, Steph was taken and she figures it out and the end of the issue is her you know she, she reads this note that uh, Steph had left uh, in case like, she like dies and it's like sort of Steph saying how much Cass means to her so you sort of get to read this is the only text really in the whole issue is like reading this letter that Cass reads from Steph uh, but it's you know it's it's uh, Cass going off to uh, to find Steph and save her uh, so it's kind of a sweet vibe because it's all about their friendship and but it's all done in the style of like you know a silent issue for Cass uh, and what's very sweet is that Cass actually rips off a bit of Steph's like uh, costume, a bit of her, her purple fabric, and sort of puts it around her neck like a scarf, at, like over her costume, as a kind of like a sort of, you know, kind of a tribute kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just like gorgeous art. Like, I, I can't emphasize how nice this is. Is like, uh, like Cass is arriving at the at these cabins, and it's the light of the her motorbike just like lighting the way up. 
It's, it's I wouldn't say it looks like Francavilla, but the 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 color style reminds me a little bit of Francavilla. To give it a comparison point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, at the end of the issue, she sort of looks in the window and sees Steph like tied to a chair with all these like uh, you know, uh, wires stuck to her for you know taking readings. And that's the cliffhanger. It's a silent issue. There's not a word of dialogue. The only thing you really read the whole time is the letter that, that Steph left for her. So it was a very unique experience. And in a week where I had like so many books that were so long, this was like such a refreshing, like, oh, this is just a silent issue with nice art. And it's all impactful because it fits into who Cass is. And it's like the, the race to save Steph that she cares about. So this had heart. This had fantastic art. Um... It's uh nine out of ten. I really, I you know, I wow. you know, I I would highly praise this as maybe the best issue of the book. And you know, it could have done that thing where there was still that third party narration. But credit to them, they did not do it. If they, they they basically made the choice, if we're going silent with no narration for the character, no dialogue, then our narration is not going to be there either, and just stuck to the the gimmick or the premise. And I appreciate that. Uh, so no, very very good. I liked it a lot. So, GCPD, The Blue Wall, Issue 4, John Ridley writing with Stefano Raphael on the R. Uh, Connor, you've been reading this, right? I have. Yeah, I had to read two issues today, but yes. That's fine, but you're caught up and you've read this issue. I am, yeah. And this issue takes a bit of a dark turn by the end, which I did not see coming. Oh man, that last couple of pages. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously we have our three main characters, well, there's four, including Renee, but we know Renee. Montoya is like the, our, our sort of anchor character that we already know and care about. Uh, we've got these three rookie cops. Uh, one, Eric, who's leaving, he was the parole officer, uh, and he has kind of an awkward moment uh, with Ortega, who's the other one who shot the guy that, you know, he was like an officer for. Um, they have like a quiet, awkward moment in the hallway, but, you know, otherwise he's not in too much of it. He talks to, to Park a few times. Uh, at their sort of regular meeting, which notably, uh, or sorry, he talks. She talks to. No, no, he doesn't go. He's the one that's missing from he's, that. He's meeting. the one that's absent. Yeah. He's quit. Yeah. So he doesn't even go to those meetings. He doesn't want to be around them. Uh, so you know, there's kind of a, a sad air to this, and I feel really bad for Montoya because Montoya's story in this issue that, uh, you know, like maybe she is being too doom and gloom. Maybe she can get over this. You know, she she chooses not to drink anymore. She tells she the bartender, goldfish, so they give so they give her a dog. Yeah, and she tells the bartender like, if she ever comes in again, call my sister and tell her to call my sponsor or you know whatever. Yeah, don't don't serve her. Yeah, so you know, she's making all these right choices. She's getting some hope back, um, and she's hoping for the best. But of, a potential date coming up. Yeah, yeah, she meets like another dog owner in the park, and maybe they head it off a little bit. But it's all of this is. You know, it's all about Ortega's story. Ortega's the 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 main thrust of this issue, and he was the one who was being harassed with all the the racist like, comments from the other officers because he's he's Latino. And this issue, because he shot someone, like he shot a perp at the end of the last issue, all of a sudden, like this one cop's really nice to him and says, "Ah, oh, we always like you know give people shit when they first join, but you know you've kind of proven yourself now," and invites him to a get together. Um, and Ortega he tells um, him to bring his family. Tells him to bring his family, and he also says that you know part of it is that because Ortega had this therapy session, it, Ortega feels like oh maybe I am I am bonding with them now because now like oh he sides with me over the therapist. The therapist is like oh you need to have some time off. You need to like set you know work at a desk job, yeah. for a while. Yeah, so that really sets up that mental state. And I had this really bad feeling 
right? Because mm-hmm. he's writing this journal throughout the issue that he keeps coming back to, and it sounds a little ominous. And when he takes uh, his dad, who we know doesn't like that he's a cop, because his dad, you know, has a very specific viewpoint of the, the police force. He takes his dad, and it's like, oh, God, what's, like this is a prank or something. He's, you know, he's going to open the door to this place that he's invited to. And sure enough, it's there's no one there, but there's just a bunch of racist stuff. You know, there's, there's like sombreros, there's like a big sign saying Mexico this way. You know, just shit like that. You know, just all over yeah, the place. Yeah, like nachos, rice, beans. Yeah. And the dad obviously is very angry and, you know, basically accuses his son of being pathetic because he's going to crawl back to them and, uh, you know, he's not accepting that he's he's a victim here. He's not accepting that these people don't respect them and all that stuff. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because there's a, a counterpoint uh, during the issue where uh, Park on her new duties, she's just like at crime scenes now, like just making sure people don't touch stuff. Like she's been given this sort of like, you know, crappy, not quite a desk job, but kind of, you know. One step up, yeah. Yeah, low, low on the totem pole. And she has this conversation with Ortega about how little they care about it now, like how like they don't feel anything for these dead people and how it's kind of bad that they're, they're almost like, the other officers are almost making them like hope for bad things to happen to bad people. And it's this dehumanization of where, no, you should hope for the best in people. You should try and help, you know, improve people, that kind of thing. Uh, but the, the, the system's almost like making them want to like, just, ah, uh, because the, the other cop in the crime scenes, like, ah, oh, sometimes like the streets take care of themselves, you know, like if one gang member kills another, it's one less gang member for us to worry about. There's that kind of attitude, uh, throughout. But, uh, Anyway, it's all building up to this gut punch at the end where Ortega's writing this journal and he's talking about doing something. And I think, like, the, the red herring of it is you're kind of expecting it to, uh, like, maybe he's going to actually fight back in the system. Like, maybe he's going to actually, like, stand up for himself and fight back against these these people who are oppressing him and, and yeah. you know, just, just treating them awfully. And instead, he's taking drastic action... In that he kills uh, Montoya's like brother and like shouldn't he be sister in law? Mm-hmm. Just guns them down in the alley. Just guns them down, and they're scared for a split second. And then the last page is him standing over their body, uh, basically like, and the the end of the journal is like, you know, I'm going to ruin Montoya or you know something like that. Um, and yeah, it just says, I, "Yeah, Montoya, I declare war on you." Ah, uh, there you go. That's what, and. It's so hard hitting because I I really didn't see it coming. Right, there was a bit, of, you know, there was a bit of a feeling of like doom towards the end. It was effective, but I didn't necessarily think, oh, he's going to go after her family members. Yeah, I didn't realize he was going to go to, like take out Montoya quite so personally. Like it felt like like he's so, you know, he talks and you know, he's been crushed by the wall. You know, the system of the police. And it's like, no, no, he's twisted that into, this is Montoya's system, so I'm going to take it out on her. Yeah. But, and uh, this and is, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a really tragic issue that he's become this. Like, this is what the system's forced him to, like, his mental state. Like, it, In it's, just a couple of months. Yeah, and it's obviously you have these counterpoints where Eric's like, because Eric does have a scene where he's with Park, which is, I think, was what I was thinking about earlier. There's a scene where like they meet on like, the steps, like, outside their house or, or one of their places. And he's basically saying that he can't go to this because like, she's saying, oh, we need you there. Like, you know, like you're a friend or whatever. And he's like, he's saying he can't, he has to stay away from this, this system. He has to be away from it. So I, I think between the three characters, you're seeing the different, like, 
possible outcomes. You're seeing someone who just like, realizes they have to be away from it to be healthy. Parks maybe. I mean, we don't really know yet what our outcome is going to be, but maybe she seems to be just subjugated by the system. Plus, she's just yeah. like she's just a cog in it now, right? She's a lower yeah. part, but she's just you know like accepted a place almost. And then the extreme end is Ortega, which is like he has become like a monster because of like what yeah. he's been put through. Um, and you know, so this is not pulling punches, and I definitely did not see it going this way. This this was a far more this was kind of a left turn and not in a bad way, but it was like a left turn where I was like, Oh shit, this is where we're going with this now. Yeah. Uh, and it does a good job of like making you like, you've seen like, uh, like th- these family members for Montoya in previous issues, but this issue does a really good job of her talking to them for advice multiple times. So they really feel like nice people. <laughs> like, so at the end of the issue, when they're just gunned down like this, you actually kind of get how much of a big deal it's going to be to Montoya that they're gone. It's not just, Montoya hears at the end of the issue, oh, your brother that we've never seen before has been killed. It's like, no, this issue made it clear that he was a character, that it's someone that yeah. cares about Montoya, that she goes to to talk to about her problems, and her shouldn't-be sister-in-law. Really, yeah. really hard-hitting stuff, I thought, at the end of this. Yeah, it, it was, uh, let's say it was out of nowhere, but not in like a, not in a way that it just seems like it's complete there, just for shock value. It, it, there is a a logical leap from what it was doing with the characters to that it if it, it makes sense with the progression but it was still shocking that it that it just happened because yeah. it, it didn't feel like as much as like you said there was this underlying sense of doom with the journal entry that oh he's going to do something bad i don't think this ever crossed anyone's mind as they were reading it i think part of it's because those two characters that he kills felt like they were in a, like separate from all the cops like they felt like they were just part of Montoya's plot they felt so separate and removed from any of the other characters that i don't think it ever occurred to me that they, they might ever even meet the other characters because they felt and that's just normal because they're part of Montoya's life but yeah. here it was this shocking oh no they've been brought into it in the most tragic way possible and i just i can't help but feel that because yeah, Montoya, like, not only does she choose not to drink this episode, she chooses to lift the protective detail, or the, the oh, not the protective, the surveillance on Two-Face. Like, she, she chooses to make healthier decisions throughout this issue. And she is going to hit rock bottom again next issue. She's going to have everything pulled away from her. And the sad irony of it is, is that, not so much Ortega specifically, but, you know, one of these rookie cops came to her for help. And she kind of, like, well, I had to go through a lot of shit, so you're going to have to go through it too. And didn't yep. try and like make things better for them. Pretty much, just well, this is this is what it is, and you know she could have she obviously I think we spoke about this last time that she could have done better. She could have been trying more, mm-hmm. but she's not. You know, she's not actively an awful person, clearly. Uh, but she is definitely not doing the most that she could be in her position, and he has taken this to an extreme level of, you know, well, you should be and. And yeah, this is a pretty shocking outcome for it to get to. But yeah, it's going to be, a, I think this is six issues, right? This mini. Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's going to be a, yeah. an interesting couple of issues to see how it delves into, you know, Renee's outcome to this. And this is the sort of thing with Renee being the commissioner at Gotham, and obviously that's referenced in other books. Like, I have to imagine this may get referenced with Montoya and other books in the future. This, this was like a big, you know, in the same way that people like to reference what happened to her with Two Face in No Man's Land. This has to come up, like that her, you know, her close family was gunned down like this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's got to be. It's like a major moment in her history now, right? Well, like yeah. immediately. 
Yeah, it has to be. I mean, unless they retcon it, but I hope they don't because it. Ha- like I said, the only way you can retcon it is by telling us they're not dead, but they also look pretty well, dead. Like, yeah, they're lying there with bullet holes. Like their eyes are wide open. There's bullet holes all over their chests. Like they're dead. Yeah, like if, if you hadn't seen that very last page, you know, there's blood. You see the hand. You could sell it that okay, they took some gunshots. You know, they took a gunshot yeah. each, maybe, but you know, they get rushed to hospital or whatever. You you can buy it. I think after that last page, there's no going back from that. And I think, you know, I've not loved all of Ridley's work. Um, and this is probably the thing I've enjoyed most from him. But, but he has never seemed like the kind of writer to, you know, go back on his decisions to, you know, to pull no. those fake outs. Yeah, I think what this this book tells me is that Ridley, I, te- I think I enjoy when it's leaning away from superhero stuff. Like, I think the stuff I yeah. liked about his Batman stuff like, when it became more of an ongoing Batman book, I started to not be as into it. And I think it was because of the superheroic side of it that I wasn't feeling. Whereas this, I think, when it becomes to, like, he's talking about these tough subjects that he obviously cares about, you know, deeply. He's trying to say something, and then you've just got, like, more of a character drama and thriller with the, these characters sort of going down these dark paths. I, I think this is, like, certainly just from this this example, anyway. Like, I'm really digging yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. It's It seems to be where his strengths lie. Um I suspect maybe he just doesn't find the the actual superheroics, the action sequences, quite as interesting, which is fair. Yeah, yeah. It makes me wonder if we do get some sort of follow up to this. You know, maybe like just a Montoya mini or something that he'll do, or you know, something that can naturally follow on uh, to explore the outcomes of this. Maybe not. Maybe just be a one and done. But yeah, we'll have to see kind of how it ends, right? You know, it really depends where he leaves it. But if they want to get, they'll give him kind of like a sort of mini Tom King treatment where they keep just giving him nice minis that play to his strengths where, oh, here, you know, do, you know, I, don't know, I, I, know, I know I said <laughs> in the first issue of this that this felt like a pseudo sequel to, to Gotham Central. Mm. I can definitely see this kind of being expanded on into another, you know, you know more of this, you know, following cops doing a Gotham Central thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, whether that's an ongoing or just you know more minis, I can see I'm doing more of this for sure. Yeah, I'd be all for it. Uh, yeah. I think I mean, you can even put him on a like a Batman book, but I think instead of the one he did, I think you have to give him a Batman and do it as a detective story. Yeah, no, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right, we given the blue wall. Uh, it's a nine. Um, I was I probably would have said like an eight, an eight point five before those last few pages, and then just the gut punch of it kind of. Bumped up, because uh, it did such a good job of making you like those two other characters, but not making it yep. feel like they're in danger the whole time. So that really did hit hard. It just felt like really natural people in, yeah. in the car- in the in the scenes they're in. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I'll agree with the nine. Uh, really good stuff. So that is the blue wall, which every month on Patreon.com/slash/MailFestTV you can make myself or Connor read a book. Connor's a little bit behind. Because he's been away for a month. So you've got two to do. First up, we're going to do Tim Drake Robin issue four. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, fits mine, Ryan. And it's, it's still, uh, my, my old favorite, Rosmolana. Your main man. Yeah. Um, his art this time, let, let's get out of the way. There's less stuff where it's like breaking out panels for the sake of it. There's still a few instances where it just feels really like it really ruins the flow and I have to really think about where I'm reading it and it just kind of feels like a mess. Also, I don't know, it feels like um 
I haven't felt, I don't remember feeling this on the other issues, but this time his art feels really soft, like it's less defined than usual. Um, it's like the like the inks aren't as heavy as normal. I don't. Like, he doesn't usually have particularly heavy inks. Like, I wouldn't say they're really not scratchy or anything like that. They're still quite clean lines. Um, but it just feels really light. Like it's a first draft that it's not quite gone over yet. Almost on on, on some points, which was really uh kind of weird. Um, I don't know if that was like a technical thing. It almost feels like it was like a it's missing a layer of the final links over the top but it just didn't get submitted or something I, I don't know but it was a bit weird but um it's uh it's still tim investigating what's going on with these uh classic detective stories kind of being recreated as crimes for him um his landlord kind of just barges in and says something and ends up helping him crack the code that it's a cipher and you know this message that he's got and you know, oh, okay, so he can figure it out from there, and he's got he's got a couple of names that are he assumes the next victims, um, but he doesn't know. You know, there's like a reasonable amount of these names that live in Gotham, and there's like twelve of one of them and like six of the other. So he's like, I can't cover them all. So he goes to the Batgirls. So he re recruits Steph and Cass for a little bit. Uh. They go around, a little bit of digging, and um, eventually they find out, okay, it's this one, they're too late. But there's a, another one of the uh, the animals that's been kind of brought to life with the white discs. The slight twist on this one, he's fighting, it's like a, he says it's a goldfish, but it appears more like a, a shark kind of sized thing. Um, the twist on this is, you know, they can't find the disc, it's not anywhere on, on the animal to, to stop it. Uh, but the story is the it's something in the in the in the story it's based on the goldfish swallows the pearl. So he's like, ah, oh, the white thing is inside the fish. So you have this panel of him crawling through like the fish's intestines and stuff to get, you know, all through the guts to try and get to the, the thing. It's one of the few times that I can say that Rosmo's inventive paneling layouts has been justified. It's you know, it, you basically have the fish being the page. And Tim kind of crawling through it as it goes through the panels, um, and uh, yeah, at the end of it, he he's like, "Hey, uh, he's, he's like, oh, hey, phone him, Bernard, because you know something's wrong, and uh, it's not him that answers the phone. It's it's the villain." And he's like, oh, "What do you want?" And the villain's like, "I want to be the best villain Gotham's ever seen, with you know a killer name and a worthy opponent." He says he wants a killer name. He doesn't give him his name here, so I don't know what to call him. He's still just mysterious villain who's dressed in like yeah, you know this just this red jumpsuit kind of thing with a uh, some big white cuffs and collars and a white mask. Um, very 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 long hair. That I don't know if this is uh, Rosmo taking creative license or uh, if it's supposed to be this long because like the hair is like on the floor long. I mean, <laughs> what's which character is it? The this new villain. Okay, it's, well, yeah, it's a new creation. So I, I don't know. Maybe this is how it's supposed to be. I don't know if Rosmo's just kind of going over the top because that's what Rosmo does. I, I don't know if this is uh, his equivalent of their chin. Uh, yeah, instead of giving them a massive chin, he's just giving them loads of hair. But I, I don't know. Um, yeah, this arc is really. I, I will say it's more coherent now than it was at the start. 
where I felt like I was missing loads. But it's really boring, unfortunately. It's 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 supposed to be this de detective thing, and it's based off all these classic detective novels, and it's recreating all these scenes. But maybe it works better if you've read all of these classic detective stories. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe then it's it's a bit more fun because it's like, oh, hey, look at all all its uh, it's referencing these things. It's uh, what was this one? The books. I think the book is called Goldfish. Uh, but uh, yeah, Goldfish by Raymond Chandler. Uh, and I, I'm not familiar with that story already. You know, maybe, maybe this is more fun if you if you are, and it's like oh, all these little winks and nods to you know classic detective stories. But as it is, it kind of falls a bit flat for me. Um, and that's even without the the Rosmo. I think you know I'm not. I'm just not digging. Uh, Fitzmartin's writing all that much. You do sound like you're in despair the entire time you talk about it. Which is presumably exactly why I'm bloody doing it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I don't think this is as bad as some of the previous issues. I think it's it's a very boring issue as well, though, which makes it even, even more difficult to buy. I don't think Rosmo, it's, it's not Rosmo's worst work. It's not good. I mean, you know, let me clarify that. Mm -hmm. But it's not it's not any worse than his his stuff normally is, and I would say it's actively more restrained and therefore better than most of the issues he did on Harley Quinn. Um, I think that's just by the nature of the book being Tim Drake versus a Harley book where I think he felt like he had more creative license to be a bit zanier and kind of go even wilder by his standards. Um but I still think this is a bad issue uh, overall. Like it's really bland. I don't, I don't know who's enjoying this really. I'm not seeing anyone talk about it. I'm not seeing people are enjoying. Maybe they are. I'm just not seeing them because that that, you know, absolutely could be happening. Hey, the TikTok generation's loving it. Uh, I would have no idea. But yeah, like I say, uh, the thing is that generation. I can't see them having all read all these classic detective stories. So I can't see them, you know, getting all these little, oh, look at all these, you know, winks and nods to all this classic stuff that we've got here. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just fallen really flat for me. Um, but like I said, it's not the worst issue of the book that I've read. Um, so I'll probably have to give it a four. Oh, man. Well, okay. uh, you got our Patreon book, which is Undiscovered Country, issue 20. Which is definitely much more interesting, at the very least. Um, we're continuing the two plots. Um, we've got the stuff that was seemingly in like the slight future, which I'll, I'll get back to, and the stuff that is was in the past. It was in the uh, uh, American Revolution, uh, and it was you know Paul Revere, you know, saying you know the English are coming. That that was where we were last time, and. So we're in zone history, and we, we get that they're actually, you know, kind of actually there in the past. Zone history is this weird time travel zone where it's not just a recreation. It started off as these recreations, but it's not just that anymore. It actually is time travel. I love that Matt was listening for a second there just to make sure that you've moved on to the next book. The, the, the progress has been made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... um. Yeah, but he doesn't want to listen too closely to this because he still wants to read this at some point. Um, but this, 
Yeah, so they're kind of actually there. Um, and they have Uncle Sam kind of explaining it to them that it, 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 they're there, but they're, they're kind of also in like a, a locked off section where it's like this time loop. So that's why, yeah, when they die, they just relive the same loop again. Um, but they can do things differently. And the whole point of the history zone was to to make these different uh, different tracks, like these different, ch different channels of history, like all these potential big turning points in American history and kind of see what would have changed if, if you know, how would things have played out if, if things had gone a little bit differently you know, and uh, follow those down. And so there, there are like, I think he says there's hundreds of these, you know, different tracks of like, okay, where they are. And basically, you know, the two groups that are split up are in the, are in two different streams. And the challenge for this place, because obviously the, the, there's always something they've got to do in each zone to get through, is essentially one group is the door and one group is the key, and all they have to do is find each other. And once they do that, they can kind of progress to the next zone. But they're not giving any real clues on how to find each other. Um, uh, I'll leave just their stuff because the, the, their stuff is the very end uh, is the cliffhanger because uh, it ends with oh, their stuff at the main part of the book ends with them being shot by Uncle Sam again uh, and they wake up somewhere else at the end uh, I'll get to that but the uh, the other side of it is uh, the other characters we, we'd seem to be kind of in the roughly present uh, they were in, you know, what seemed to be America. You had um, Destiny Man Grave as, you know, President Graves, and they were at this uh, uh, parade. Uh, it turns out these characters in this—they're like fifteen or twenty odd years in the future of their of their future where they are now. Um, and in this version of history, they have been arrested as criminals, and they're they're locked up, and that's, so. There's a lot of confusion as to how are they out here if they're all if they're still locked up in our cells. What's going on? Um, where the t two of these characters kind of accidentally started World War Four, um, where they united. So the the two main um, groups outside of America, going back to the right at the start of the book, the, you know there the was the two alliances that they were kind of at odds with each other. But that's where you know all our characters come from various you know you know either side of those. Um, because they sent diplomats, uh, you know, and you know, one, these two characters are the diplomats from each of those respective things. Uh, in this version of reality, or maybe even this future, uh, it's it's not clear as to whether or not this has got a separate past or is something they're still yet to do. Uh, they managed to convince their respective governments to team up and take out America for reasons, and it basically side World War Four. Um, so that yeah, it, it, it was a whole thing, um, and you've got Graves. You know, Prince Graves just trying to hunt them down. They're on the run, and it turns out they're actually in Beijing in the future because uh, I'm, I'm guessing they lost World War Four because um, there's an American empire now. Essentially, I think they call it the uh, American hege hegemony, uh, and Beijing is the uh, the eastern capital, which is where they are now. So. Uh, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see in the next few issues of this arc where how much of this is an actual future, how much is potential, how much could still happen based off of what decisions they could still make, or if it was stuff that has, you know, 
how far back this history track went and you know whether or not they could have they've already missed the key points that would have made you know led to these decisions um but it ends up you know to to really nicely parallel they're talking about world war four this joint invasion of the u.s um our other characters you know after they've been shot by uh uncle sam uh they wake up and uh it is December 7th, 1941, in Pearl Harbor. So that's presumably going to be the next issue for them, is uh, whether or not one, or whether or not they even can change things in this these tracks of history, whether or not they try to, whether or not they just try to uh, escape, like, or if it really matters ultimately, because if they die, they just wake up again anyway, but will they be in the same loop as, as this? You know, will they just be living in... You know, will they just be doing Pearl Harbor on repeat, or will they be, you know, thrust into a different loop like they were with you know, when Uncle Sam shot them at the end of that last one? I would guess they'd repeat this one because it seemed to be like you know they they were they were just dying and repeating uh, the the previous loop as it was, and it wasn't until Uncle Sam actively did something to send them here that that happened. Um, but yeah, no, there's. Uh, the first issue of this arc was a little bit very much set up. It felt like it, it didn't really know what it was doing. This is st- still very much in that part where it's, it's setting up what the arc is, but I feel like it's got a much firmer grasp on it now. I, you know, okay, we understand this zone. We're starting to figure out some of the rules. We've got an actual objective for, for the characters to do. They've got to meet back up and then to get out of the zone. So they, they've got a goal now to head towards. Uh, so it's got some direction now and, I feel like I really needed that after the first issue. I think it, you know, this is the, a much, much better issue than the first one. Um, yeah, it's like a 7.5. All right. Well, for a while since we went this neatly over three hours, so... That's yeah, that. I was already getting complaints <laughs> that I've been up here too long, so we got to wrap this up. Well, I got chores to do. We got one last bit of business, and that is the part of the show we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books of the week. And given that uh, we had almost double that for most of us, uh, it's actually a bit competitive for a change. So, Connor, panel slash moment of the week. Um, it's really tempting and easy to pick something from Nightwing. I think I'm actually going to go with the very final page of Blue Wall, just because of the, the just the shock value and the impact that it had. And I think I was expecting it less than anything I was in Nightwing. Yeah, that's fair, Matt. Um, I'm going to go with from uh, Shazam, um, where where Mary Marvel at the end, she's lifting the stuff up, and she is now Shazam. Where Darla's like, "Yo, no, call her Shazam." That's a good moment. Yeah, I think I'll uh, I'll do the obvious one. I'll do the emotional Batman mm-hmm. and uh, Nightwing talk in Nightwing. Easy pickings, but there was yeah, like the fact that there's other possible moments to pick this week. Uh, is, is a is a good is <laughs> an eventful mm-hmm. week, I suppose. Uh, all right, a cover of the week. Um, I I mean, obviously Nightwing's got a couple of good covers. Um, there's a really good Liam Sharp variant for One Bad Day uh, with Bane, which I, th- I think was quite good. Uh, I like the main cover for Flash, but I think I'll go with the variant cover for Flash, uh, which is the one with the white background. Uh, it's the Daniel Bayliss variant. 
Uh, it's just sort of a flash and sort of the starting of a running line position. Um, mm. You know, yeah. as if he's about to race. I think it's it's a pretty common style of flash variant. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's just really clean. Yeah. It's really neat. Uh, it stuck out to me the most. Like, there's a lot of Nightwing covers that are kind, kind of great, but at the same time, like, I feel like they're maybe a, mostly a bit too busy, some of the ones that otherwise mm-hmm. look really good. So, uh, Matt, what was yours? Uh, mine is from New Champions Museum. It's the Tilalote cover. I am not surprised. The one yeah, yep, yep. Uh, Connor? Yeah, that was going to be mine as well. Um, I'll <laughs> give a shout out, though, to the regular World's, uh, world's Finest cover, because Dan Mora. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's real good. That was very nice. Uh, all right, best art of the week, Matt. You can go first. This one's uh, this one's kind of tough because I really like World's Finest, but I also really like Shazam. Uh, but given given the rest of my choices, I'm gonna give it to Dan Mora for World's Finest. Okay, uh, Car. Yeah, it's one of those rare times that Nightwing's not even in contention for it because mm-hmm. uh, it was a bit too messy. Um, I'm also gonna go with World's Finest because Dan Mora. Okay, uh, I will. Yeah, you know, I'm even tempted to go back, girls, but I actually think I'm going to go with Shazam. I think I will eke it out to Shazam uh, this week. Uh, all right, top five books. Matt, go. All right, one is going to be uh, Shazam. Two is going to be World's Finest. Three is Nightwing. Four is Star Girl and. Five is the Flash. All right, Connor. Uh, so Blue Wall at number one. Then Nightwing. Then Shazam. Then World's Finest. And uh, oh, one bad day. One bad day. That was the next one. Okay. That's the one I'm missing. Uh, all right. So I'm not actually going to follow my ratings here exactly because I'm putting <laughs> Nightwing at number one, despite the fact that I didn't rate it yep. first or even second highest. Uh, it's just the highs are too high, and too emotional <laughs> to not have it at number one. Uh, so Nightwing's number one for me. Number two is the Blue Wall. Number three is Shazam. Number four is. Uh, oh god, there's too many books to pick from this week. I'll go Batgirls at number four, and then number five, I'll go with... Honestly, there's like three books that are all kind of similar in in a good way, but I will go with Flash at number five. So, there you go. Uh, That is our favourites. I will now tell you what is coming next week from DC Comics. Uh, we have Detective Comics 1068, Action Comics 1051, which is notably the start of the new era with the backups and all that. Uh, so be prepared. Uh, Batman One Bad Day, Catwoman issue one. So yeah, another one of those back next to week. Back. Yeah, because it was de- that was delayed from. December. That makes sense. Yeah. And it has been a little while since the last one, so that's why it's been a wait and then two of them. Uh, yeah. I suppose. I think I assume it's just because McKelvey. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has a lot of uh, injury problems with his wrists, so I think that he tends to be yeah. a little bit slower. Uh, so we also have Catwoman issue fifty-one, The Human Target issue eleven. Uh, it's not even been that long since the last issue. That I feel like that that, that previous. No, that was like delayed. two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, this, do you know what this must be? It must be some weird issues with Christmas. This must be like some yeah. Christmas. They've moved some things around, so we're yeah. getting a few things back to back. 
Uh, Harley Quinn 26, Justice Society of America issue 2, Tim Drake Robin issue 5, Connor's favourite, uh, Lazarus Planet We Were we Once Were Gods issue 1, Punchline The Gotham Game issue 4, uh, Horror Presents Sergeant Rock vs. Army of the Dead issue 5, Gotham Knights Gilded City issue 4, Blue Beetle Graduation Day issue 3, and uh, Sandman Universe Dead Boy Detectives issue 2. Did either of you read the first issue of that? Uh, no. no. <laughs> so, uh, not quite as busy as this week, but still a healthy week. No. Uh, certainly, yeah. you got the one bad day issue, you got Detective Action, Human Target, uh, GSA, the Lazarus Planet issue. Uh, so, yeah, some interesting stuff there to dig into next week. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, very good. So, uh, by all means, let us know what you thought of this week's books in the comments or on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast uh, or on the Discord. All these places are, are good to uh, uh, get in touch. And of course, I will thank our Patreon producers, which are some of our higher tiered patrons uh, for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Borden, Christopher Moy, David Brown and Al Tradesman. And of course, you can support us over at patreon.com slash TV. Uh, for, well, for any amount, really. But the $5 tier, you get early access to the show late in the Saturday, whenever it's out the oven. Uh, which is a bit later, typically, when it's a three and a half hour long episode like this one. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes longer to go out. <laughs> uh, but you go get that over there uh, and just help support the show and keep it keep it coming in general. Uh, of course, check out all the content uh, that is made uh, as part of the Mail Fuzz TV and Mail Fuzz Movies umbrella. Um, there's a horror movie podcast, Screams After Midnight, a sci-fi movie podcast, The Atomic Cinema Experiment. There's a podcast where we go through franchises called The Collector's Cut now. Uh, and of course, Mail Fuzz TV on YouTube has uh, the TV episode reviews and things like that. So, uh, yeah. But that is us. That is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.